At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talks. Here comes the money. Hello and welcome to Spotlight, the official podcast of Grapple. I'm JP. And I'm Gareth. And here we are. It's just us two. We haven't got Benno here to kind of keep us in check. And Lazy bastard. Lazy bastard. He's down further south than me this week, take it, taking taking some time off. Um we've been in the we've been in the pre-show having a chat, having a, a chat about variety. We started off with talking about caps. We were talking, you know, yeah, American sports teams for quite a bit. There's a bit of Arsenal talk there near the end. Yeah, a good few subjects on there as well. Taz. Taz. Taz McSnake, bit of Gypsy Joe as well, who's uh, like just inexplicably angry man, isn't he? Who, who I don't know why he's a wrestler. He just should have gotten a shoot fighting. That should have been what he was doing. But yeah, we were doing that. We were, This is like almost the first proper spotlight that we've had for a while, isn't it? It is, since before... Um... For Christmas, because did we just, was it start of the new year? We just recorded the two top 10, that we did the two top 10 episodes, didn't we, in two we, weeks? And then we did the Dome. Ah, shit, and, yeah. And the Noah show, but that was like on a Sunday, I want to yeah, say. that was weird. That was weird. And it's, it's almost like January, we kind of, we don't have the month off per se, because there's still daily updates with all the stuff on the Patreon. But at the same time, <laughs> it was like we kind of, I don't. I feel Every like I've, I, I feel like I've had a month off because um, obviously you did um, you, you did the show where um, you did the review that I wasn't on on the um, you, patron, patron show. Yeah, 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 you did the, the United Kingdom show, and then um, obviously Benno did his Benno versus with Matty that was absolutely oh, fucking class and just like you know, God, what a show that was. But again, that was another couple of hours of grapple listening that um obviously wasn't involved with it either as well i, I do i feel like i've I feel like i haven't recorded for about three weeks or something but it's probably probably right and consequently i've kind of not watched much wrestling during that time either just because it sort of felt like a a little yeah let's like let's have a little early start to the uh, break and already getting like a bit of a catch-up list that, uh, that needs to needs to happen but um yeah it's good to be back good to see you mate yeah oh good to see you um yeah, we've news is still going on, like with the daily updates, which have been uh, Jesus Christ, like scraping the barrel, like you know, like kind of absolute non-stories to the end. Although, apart from today, when we're going to get into it, yeah, because we're gonna we did uh, 
we were going to talk a bit of Royal Rumble. See, that's what I'm doing there. I'm just launching straight in. I'm not letting Benno drag us on for ages. Just talking about stuff. We're old men. We want to get to it, don't we? Um, <laughs> do you want to have a chat about some crisps? Or... Well, I did want to chat to you about something on the website. And that is on grappleapp.com forward slash grapple 100. Is it? Yeah, grapple hyphen 100. It is. It is. The Grapple 100 was released uh, last week. So, yeah, while I might not have been podcasting, I've been uh, putting some bloody hours to putting that together on the uh, on the website, um, I tell you. But it's, um, no, it's uh, delighted to delighted to launch that again last week it was the um it was the third third one of those that we've uh, that we've done so i'm gonna i'm gonna read the full list on my jp starting at number 100 is that if you filibu- could filibu- that would be nice. yeah no 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 uh, uh, number hey. 100 <laughs> maya versus tam nakano from stardom 9th of october 4.07 number 99 johnny gargano versus kushit <laughs> Cut to the chase, young fella. Um, the number one match, this is a, probably the big story from it, really, isn't it? Is that what's at number one didn't make the top 10 list for you or Benno. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 amazing. I think it was one of those that we like talked about on our Match of the Year podcast, wasn't it? How um, this, you know, certain things that, you know, in the time, in the moment, you know, especially sort of maybe when you're watching them as well as part of another, you know, part of a show that's kind of like hot with a hot crowd and things and you're all, you know, excited and up for it. Sometimes things are not going to say they get overrated, but, you know, you get taken away with them a little bit more. I think I was definitely higher on the number one on the Grapple 100, Jung Bucks versus Lucha Brothers from AW All Out in September than at the time. Then when I went back and rewatched it, I was like, well, this is kind of a bit different, really, watching this in, in isolation and just sort of watching it just, you know, alongside other matches. It sort of didn't have the same mm-hmm. appeal to me personally. But, um, but yeah, number one, over 800 ratings, 4.8 average rating. You know, can't argue with that almost. You know, you're like literally that many people, you know, as I think I was saying on that show, when you're getting a 4.8 average rating and there's over 800 ratings going into the app, you're basically looking at like over 700 people have gone full five on it, you know? So, mm. you know, okay. didn't make my, my top 10, but who am I to argue with that? Yeah. It's, it, I mean, I had it is, I want to say number seven on my list and I mean, I really enjoyed it. It's like really balls to the wall and stuff, but, yeah, just that kind of rating in and of itself, 4.8. I mean, it'd be interesting, and it's a difficult thing to get into in terms of the dates of those. How many of those are kind of in there at that moment in time? Because I can remember um, when the show was on, like people reacting like like this was the, the best tag match ever. I don't think it's, to be honest, I don't think it's close to the Revolution one, which is still for me like the best match in AEW history and yeah just to to kind of see it get that kind of like kind of over 800 as well you know that's a that's really big to take into consideration that you know near five stars but yeah and some of the other ones on the on the list gareth yeah so 
top singles matches Will Ospreay against Shingo from wrestling Don Taku. That was, I know that was high in my list. I don't think it was as high in a couple of others, but that was like just sneaked in behind it at 4.79. Daniel Sun Omega from Grand Slam in third mm-hmm. place. Walter Dragunov from NXT TakeOver in fourth and Angman Page against Danielson at Winter is coming in in fifth place. And then um, Suri against Yutami Haishishita in at six and seven there with their matches from June and December be, uh, behind that as well. Like So um, good uh, good mix across the, the the board when you look at things. I think the I think it's inter- one of the most interesting things to me, I think, when I was pulling mm. it together is that Obviously, I think with the latter half of the year and Danielson coming into AEW and him having these, you know, great matches, there's just been that like clamor for, you know, a lot of people talking about Danielson being wrestler of the year. But as I kind of like, you go back and you just sort of like look this in a little bit of detail and you look there and like Shingo had like 11 matches in the top 100. And that's the second year in a row that Shingo's had 11 matches in the top 100. All 11 of them were in the top 50. So, you know, 22% of all of the top 50 matches on the app last year had Shingo in them, which is absolutely, you know, phenomenal, really, when you, you know, you think about that, especially in a year when, like, New Japan's had, like, that huge malaise, I suppose, around it, and people just been, like, quite down on the product and, you know, almost, like, down about you know, the title as well in there and things. And obviously mm-hmm. Shingo, you know, carrying that for a, a decent a decent part of it. But like it was it was in the top ten three times more than anybody else. Like I say, all eleven in that um top one hundred. Closest to him was like Akada, Ibushi and Zack Sabre Jr. all had seven appearances in the in, in the hundred. But you know, Danielson's only got six, you know, four from AW, two from WWE. So, you know, I think it's it's almost a bit like I don't know. I was kind of thinking like I feel like Shingo hasn't almost had the appreciation for the year mm. that he that he had. I think because everyone's clamoured towards Danielson a, a, a bit, but to do it two years on the bounce, like eleven eleven matches in the uh, in the top one hundred, it's uh, it's pretty uh, pretty bloody phenomenal, really. It, absolutely incredible, isn't it? I mean, which kind of means that the the dream match then kind of almost by that, if you see Dan, if Danielson gets into New Japan and him and Shingo. Like that appears to be like one of the first directions you'd want to go in because the kind of match that they'd be able to put on would be something um nature of incredulous. But it's 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 amazing, I think, with the that like New Japan itself. It's like it's delivered on great matches individually and they kind of borne out by a lot of the ratings. However, as a year, I don't know anyone who's up on them. Like you know, it appears to be that people are down on them as any time as as I've seen, certainly since the the boom time. So it's it's just kind of like that interesting thing where you kind of you know, there's also a different kind of story that's going on about the company as well, right outside of outside of the match quality that they deliver. Yeah, I think it's it's one of them where they still dominate the list and they're kind of almost going to dominate the list to some degree just because of the nature of the product, I suppose, and the, the time mm-hmm. that's given to certain things. And even though the G1 wasn't as good this year and, you know, you still got night after night after night of an event events that are out there where people are going out and there's always like a match on top that's you know it's almost difficult for it not to be a four-star match, you know, to, to some degree. So, you know, New Japan almost has that kind of you know, natural bias and leaning towards it been, you know, frequently ranked. But, you know, of the 100 matches, 30 were from New Japan, you know, which is very, very high. 
but it was 35 last year you know so there is that slight mm. uh, slight decrease there i think the two the two big winners this year were aw like they only had six matches on the list in 2020 and that increased to 15 this year so there's you know that's essentially like triples the amount of uh, matches from aw that's made the list and and uh, your girls from stardom as well only on there nine times yeah. in 2020 but uh, in there 14 times uh, this year as well you know again so i suppose that's kind of testament to the the quality of the matches that they're having but i think clearly that translating to people going out and actually watching them and you know people you know hearing the buzz and you know seeing the ratings mm-hmm. and hearing people talk about them on podcasts and websites and things like that and you know maybe a bit more accessible as well um uh, too but yeah it, i think uh two uh two big winners there and i know you're not going to argue no it's it, they're, they're probably two of the companies i was going to say outside of gcw we did on our patreon we went through the um the grappies and crappies that we had as like kind of like AEW got promotion of the year. I think it's born out. I think it's the idea now that in the signing of Danielson, the match quality has kind of had a bit of an uptick. There are other signings as well that are going to help along with that. So it just feels like that there is that kind of the thing that we said about AEW was they did need to increase that. There's other things they need to do, obviously within that as well. So it kind of feels to me that that rise is is kind of like natural given some of the signings that they've made. And also on the point of stardom, that they've had they had such a good 2021, given the kind of circumstance, but certainly in an in-ring and a kind of development way, that they've that like they've got the point where they've got it's so finely tuned. Because I keep on thinking we've got the results of people who are training together all of the time. They're doing all of this work together. So it's like kind of you feel this. And I'll talk a little bit about stardom at the end of the show. Um like it's it's kind of that well-oiled machine, but they've got those rivalries there and they've got that match quality. And you mentioned about the accessibility. I mean, the latest show, I mean, I haven't seen it's out in Stardom World, but they always put English subtitles on that if they're not having the English commentary, which they tend to have Stuart Fulton as well. So you kind of look at that and you think, okay, like he's, if you're going to get a commentator in Japan to kind of come in, he is the the best you're going to get for it as well. And that just helps with the the accessibility. And plus, I don't know if they would have had, say, Mina Shirakawa doing the commentary as well. And all of these things are these steps that you take. And then, you know, it's that kind of virtuous circle. And isn't it? Then the great stuff that you're producing then appeals to more fans who come along and then you end up producing better stuff. So like the whole thing works out really well. So yeah, started like really good year. How, how about Noah? I was going to ask you. It's an interesting one because I thought or I assumed that Noah would have been had more matches in there this year than they did last year. They had seven this year, but they had 10 the previous year. And I think that's just sort of like um, mm-hmm. testament really to that um, Goshi Izaki run where, you know, that run of matches that he had when he, he, he had the belt was, was you know, God. It just felt like it was class match after class match that one, didn't it? You know, I know he he did personally did particularly well on the list uh, last year. You know, it's pretty much just been all about Nakajima for Noah this year. So they're on there seven mm-hmm. times, and Nakajima's in five of the seven. You know, so it's you know he's almost saved them to some degree. I think with the with, with the matches that that's been in there, but um, the the one that's above him in there six times is um, uh, Takeshita from DDT. Um, so again, wow. it's, it's funny because I think like, again, you just get this one, I think within, 
I think something we've seen in the past with the with the Grapple 100 is just having this one name from a specific Japanese promotion who maybe when they're on top or they're like put in like quite a prominent position and they're having these matches really deliver and it looks like people you know going back to them like think of the year Kento Miyara had like two years ago and how many matches on the on the on the list he was in and you know that really felt like oh all Japan's going to kick on from here and they you know they never did um, obviously mm. talk about like Noah last year with Shiyazaki but you know looking at this like Takeshita obviously again he's had his profile raised in the west a little bit more again uh, this year DDT obviously been a lot more accessible um, too with Wrestle Universe this year as well just giving people more opportunities to see that and I suppose I guess there's that thing of like you know maybe the same as me where I've picked you know over the last 18 months two years of become much more of a Noah fan I guess there's people there who are new Japan fans and they maybe are just that you know a bit tired of the product and are looking for something a bit different and then you know they are seeing um, you know somebody who out there who is delivering and doing something a bit different and um, you know sort of following um, following them on that really because again that was another one that was probably quite surprising to me to you know to see him see him come come out so um, so high but um have you did you watch much much of the DDT stuff last year I didn't I mean and again it kind of falls into blind spots with me with DDT I'm kind of thinking back to the um match of the year podcast we did and we had uh, Alan Farrell on there and you know some of the he was talking to us about DDT and, and, and going into kind of like you know giving us a great explanation about like the kind of the, the delineation of the product, like they, they have the kind of silly stuff, but it very much exists in its own kind of silo. Whereas Takeshita is, you know, they are putting on these kind of great matches at the top of the card. I think with the way the Wrestle Universe is launched, generally to kind of positive feedback, Alan mentions about the commentary, I think, as well. And I think that's like that is something that they will need to, to look at at some point. But the accessibility stuff is there. I mean, just through sheer virtue of Wrestle Universe and the, the the kind of attention that they're putting into Noah production, kind of by default, you're going to kind of get onto DDT as well. And they do well. Like, they draw well. I mean, I want to say they're kind of like the fourth, I mean, certainly probably around the fourth biggest company in terms of attendances, probably slightly outdrawn Noah for, you know, for some of the stuff like Peter Pan. I mean, they've always like had that kind of hardcore fan base. And I think just by default, they're going to get that bit more exposure. And I know Takesh just said he wants to come back over to AEW. So like if at some point he does a tour, I think it would, you know, his friendship with Kenny Omega seems like he'd be a natural fit to, to have him come in. The good relationship they have with, um, I think with anyway, with um, Cyberfight in terms of uh, Tokyo, uh, Tokyo Joshi Pro as well. So, yeah, I'll, I'll, I should keep more of an eye on him because he's clearly good. And when I've seen him wrestle before, he's like, he's like clearly like always seemed like the one big serious talent. The fact yeah. he's a good looking lad obviously helps as well. Yeah, like I'll, I'll always say, like he, he did that, um, he did choose night graps in, in the Frog and Bucket. Mm-hmm. And you see, so you were just like, you were seeing him really, really up close there, you know, and just, you're just thinking, fucking hell, this lad, even here now, he just looks and he, the presence and things he just came across as just having someone a bit different and just feeling a bit more like of a star and looking at him and thinking, God, this lad can go places, you know. So again, it's one of those where hopefully he does and you'll be able to be able to do that. Oh, I remember seeing him in the frog and bucket with a hundred other people or eighty other people or however many were in, in there that night. But yeah, I think that's the top one from him. Um 
was obviously, you know, it was on Alan's list, wasn't it? It was the Okabayashi yeah. match that um, I think uh, people should probably uh, look to look to go and check out. I think that was from Nevermind um, in December. Um, just a um, couple of other um, things that I thought were just quite interesting footnotes on the list to, to point out. How many matches on the 100 do you think main roster WWE had? I want to say four. It's like a pressure for this. You might well have said four earlier on. That's the number. I could have a guess at what they are. Go ahead. So I think Sasha Banks, Bianca Belair. Number 56. Um, Is it the WrestleMania main, main event, the one with Edge, Brian and Reigns there? Number 76. Is there a Brian and Reigns match there as well? There is, number 96. And one more. And Matty um, Edwards match of the year. <laughs> no, Edge versus Death Rollins. <laughs> yeah, number no. 80. I'm ashamed of myself for getting that right, to be honest with you. <laughs> How wild bad. is that, though? Biggest wrestling company in the world. Talent roster that they've got. Pleo, people who've gone through there, the... You know, the exposure and everything like that. And, like, not even a match in the top 50. Like, absolute mental. And, you know, two of them obviously been Daniel Bryan slash, you know, Brian Danielson, who, you know, <laughs> not been there anymore. Like, just absolutely wild. It just, you know, just just by sheer presence alone, you know, the the, the people working yeah. on their shows, the exposure and all that. You, the content. It should be higher. The amount of wrestling they produce, like the amount of stuff that they have, and it's like so much of it is completely missable. Like it just means, like, uh, I was going to ask you, how many British slash European matches? Well, it's almost like we've prepared oh. this, JP, because that was literally going to be my next question for you. Um, oh. How many British or European matches made the list then? Well, I'm guessing they're all Rev Pro. I'm gonna be honest. Um, gonna say, I'm gonna say four as well. <laughs> You've been researching this, you fucker. I haven't. I swear, it's four. <laughs> it oh is. wow! Do I need to so guess the, this bit as well? Which ones they are? Go on. Well, yeah, they, they are all Rev Pro as well, which in yeah. itself is pretty fucking mental, isn't it? That the biggest wrestling company in the world has as many <laughs> matches in the top 100 as, you know, a British indie. But, you know, I'll, fair play. I'll bet if you went to, I bet if you went to 200 as well, it, well, I don't know if it'd be comparable at that point, but I imagine there'd be enough stuff. I'm going to say... Um, is it the Sunshine Machine versus Young Guns? Is that one of them that's on there? Nope. Oh, okay. Is the um, Young Guns versus Aussie Open match on there? The we is. saw. Um, Seventy-nine. Osprey versus RKJ. Osprey versus RKJ. Yep. Three and one, 31. Okay. Um, Simon's saying there in the chat, I refuse to believe that anything on this show has been prepared. Very true. It yeah, never, never is. 
ever. Why would we? Like, it's too late to start that now. It's just like the rot is setting in. Ain't got um, time to prepare. Jesus, no. Um, and what's the other ones on there? I don't. Um, I'm draw. I want to say. Oh no, is it? Um, the is Sunshine Machine in one of them, and it's versus the Oku no. and Mills team. I can't remember what they're called. It was Aussie Open against Oku and Mills. Ah. Right. Uh, and then there was the Oku Mike Bailey match as well from from Uprising oh. as well. But um, so yeah, so them them four. But um, yeah, no progress in there. No WXW, no OTT, and all of them have been like represented last uh, last couple of years as well. So mm-hmm. lonely uh, Rev Pro there flying the flag for flying the flag for Europe. Um, the only only representative in the, in the list. But fair dues to the to them. The the other. Point related to that is obviously two of them matches were Aussie Open matches. The Aussie Open Velocities match um, from yeah. um, was that MCW or PWA? It was PWA that one. Um, PWA. Uh, so that meant that the Aussie Open got in there three times, and that's as much as the Young Bucks. So like literally, you know, wow. Aussie Open and Young Bucks were the only tag teams to get in there more than once, and both of them did it like three times too. So again, just kind of testament, I suppose, to the year Aussie Opens, uh, Aussie Opens had as well. That really is incredible, isn't it? And it kind of just makes you think that one of the things we often complain about is like match quality. Well, we have complained about for many years is the match quality in New Japan's tag division. And there you're thinking there's a tag team that if they can get in at some point are kind of perfectly set up as well and appealing to a market that they've always want they always want to make inroads into. So yeah. Like he, that's quite incredible. That same man as a young bucks. I was going to ask her that. That I'd imagine that'd be the most of any tag team. But yeah, it's it's kind of incredible, isn't it? I mean, like it's quite strange because I think I spoke about there being like tag team wrestling not as having as good a year as the year before. Which I know I think there was a ridiculous match from last year. Um, but at the same time, it feels like you know. Like it's still the number one match on the on the app, isn't it? Like for the year, is a is a balls to the wall young bucks tag team match. Yeah, and obviously you you know you talked about the um, the Omega Page against the Bucks from like the was that mm. the previous year or the year before? That was one that had twenty twenty. But yeah, revolution. But like, it's wild, but when I mean, there's there's literally only ten matches, ten tag matches in the in the hundred, and again, they're just random things. Like outside of those books and Aussie Open matches mm-hmm. that I mentioned there, you've got that Sakuraba Sagera match against um, Nakajima and Kitamiya, the aggression that that made my top ten. Um, that mm-hmm. was you know that's one that's on there. You've got that Briscoe's Taven and Bennett match from ROH Final Battle um, on there. You know that that makes the list, and then. You've got um, Yoshino and Doi against um, against uh, Red or Red. I don't know. Uh, I'm not a Dragon Eight, Dragon Gate aficionado, but from the speeds of our final there uh, with that one, and uh, um, from the Cyberfight Festival, Kimiya and Inemura against uh, Takeshita and uh, oh, yeah. Yukieno. So uh, again, you know, just a lot of just a mix really outside of that. Just I suppose almost just demonstrating really that there isn't that. Um, I don't know. There isn't that consistency of tag teams out there that are putting on great matches. And to your point, not a single tag match from New Japan, which, you know, again, very telling. When was the last time they had one in the? Well, I mean, that's it. I mean, it's like when was when was that last great kind of tag team match? 
Like, if I know it sounds ridiculous, and somebody will probably bring up a very obvious example, but it just really feels like it's slapped on that front. Um, well, we were talking there about, uh, uh, you know, if you haven't seen it, where can they, where can people find it, Gareth? They can visit um, grappleapp.com and. At the top of the uh, top of the website, there you'll just see a link to Grapple One Hundred, so you can click uh, on there, or you can go direct to it, grapplelab.com forward slash grapple hyphen one hundred. But you can uh, you can see the full list there, and um, obviously just broken down a few little things uh, there, just with like your different promotions and tag teams and you know wrestlers and things. Just going to be over the next sort of week, two weeks, three weeks, just putting on various little. Um, cuts of data and just looking at you know things in different ways and doing a few like now that we're like three years into it and obviously the numbers get bigger and bigger and you've got your comparisons and things to do probably just gives us more chance to just like play around with it a bit so if you if you're into your um nerdy match rating sort of <laughs> analysis hopefully there should be more of that coming in the uh, months and uh, you know, weeks and months ahead really because uh, definitely got a bigger uh, pool to, to play with on that and yeah maybe looking to do some interesting stuff there around just looking at wrestlers as well and just maybe just looking at the um, you know who obviously talk about Shingo there but maybe just starting to put together a bit of a list really and see mm-hmm. purely based on match ratings whether it's just a, a one year thing or whether it's maybe over a, a time period as well of like two to three years you know who are the most consistent performers out there with the uh, lots of different data so um, I am endeavouring to do more with that website this year so um Oh. Give us a uh, give us a nudge in two months when it's still um, talking about twenty uh, <laughs> twenty twenty. <laughs> well, I, I mean, and and in some ways, it's the perfect intro into the company that you know obviously is fond in all our hearts and in that match ratings. Uh, we're going to talk a bit of Raw Rumble, Gareth. I managed to switch the banner over and everything on time there for the for the, oh, for the live watchers. Look at that, smooth as fuck. Yeah, there's a reason why they don't do well on the. Uh, um, on the top 100 list do they gareth why they don't do well on the app we dived into um royal rumble this weekend did you watch it live did i fuck Good lad. <laughs> would there have been a time that you would have missed this oh like you know obviously last couple of years and things things like that it's been like last two years i would say have just been why am I even bothering sitting sitting up with this? I probably had when when I first developed the app and that first launched. I still had that thing of like getting um, ratings in there live and in the moment and things. So I'd be like sat up watching, you know. WWE pay-per-views and putting stuff on there for 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 that reason when probably I would have just gone to bed and watched it the next day if I wasn't doing that but then just as things have just like evolved it's just felt like less and less necessary to do that because it's not like there's going to be this buzzworthy you know 4.8 star match or something like that that's going to happen on a show live in the moment um, anyway really you know it's a, it's one of those that people can um Wait, uh, wait twelve hours to slap the three stars on. Yeah, and that's and that's the thing about this, isn't it? Is is it starts to become more and more of this kind of it's it's so bloated as a show, like it's you know that second rumble like felt like it was three hours in and of itself, you know it, it's just looking at it and looking at like 
the big overall picture for it. I mean, you see it and you see that there's that demand for this. This is still something that's going to draw as well for them as, as anything else. You can see that 40,000 or whatever the real attendance figure is, it's probably closer to about 37, knowing how much bullshit goes into it, which says a lot that in 2022, they will not tell you the accurate like crowd figure for a show. They'll lie to you. They'd sooner lie to you than tell you the truth on that. that that's still a thing. And it's stuff that people find out when they ask the stadium. <laughs> don't lie about this. It's maddening. Like, I don't understand how that still exists in 2022. Like, nuts. But anyway, um, yeah. It, it was a good house, feel... though. I'll give them that. Whether it, it was, was a good house. Whether it was 40 or it was 37, it looked and good it on good. TV. I'll give them And that. it looked good because it was a baseball st- – I'm right, I think it was a baseball stadium wasn't it so it was it, it kind of had like a bit more of an interesting kind of visual look to it as well i mean it looked spectacular but as everything else it just felt but you know by the end it felt like that crowd was severely burnt out and i don't even know if they got up for that much if i'm gonna be truthful <laughs> oh, it was it was i mean the the mood of the crowd in that men men's rumble was yeah it was wild, like literally. Like normally, if you think back in the day for rumbles, someone would get a pop just for the fact that the buzzer's got off and someone's running through a curtain, kind of thing, and they just get a pop because hey, it's somebody. Mm-hmm. Literally, for about twenty people in that in that in that rumble, like nobody just got a reaction from the crowd at all, except Johnny Knoxville. It was absolutely bizarre it just felt so flat and i was thinking this isn't like it's one of those wwe shows from two years ago where they were five hours long six hours long and they've tried to like stack too much in the card either and like you know where understandably as you're getting towards the back end of shows crowds were just a little bit jaded and a bit burned out and things and you could kind of like accept it there but this wasn't a ridiculously long show by any means was it you know so again for the crowd to just be that dead at the at the end was was fucking bizarre and then but the thing is as well is when you looked at the names who were coming out through the curtain and especially to like to me who doesn't watch wwe and you know you're not invested in these characters and things like that you're just like yeah nobody 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 and it just felt like just a sea of irrelevance till you got to about number 20 it was it was fucking unbelievable it was. It was incredible. It felt like Matt Riddle got a bit of a reception. Like he yeah. got, he seemed to get something out of this crowd. But for the most part, there was, it, it was, it was nothing. It was kind of crickets. They didn't seem excited at the finish because I think as soon as they saw Lesnar come out, they, you knew the direction it was going in. Um, I don't like to pat myself on the back, but it was the thing I'd said on the weekend show <laughs> appeared to completely to come true where I just thought, the match they want to do and have always wanted to do is is heel Reigns versus face Lesnar. And they've wanted to do that. They've got the Paul Heyman storyline and this was their way of getting to that. But like, it, it, like ultimately it was, it was just so badly structured because it felt like from the immediate get go, as soon as it started and Austin theory came in, it was just like, just nondescript kind of brawling in the ring. There wasn't any, like people were coming out to kind of like no real reception. It it was, you know, like the surprise element was bad bunny 
really that appears to be like the kind of like big one and obviously it was a point of big controversy which we'll talk about after well we might as well talk about it with this now actually that the other big surprise was Shane McMahon probably the biggest surprise is to let him run the fucking Royal Rumble and then he put himself in the last three like ejecting people like Kevin Owens with ease as well and there was a mess about when Bad Bunny was going to come in and what was going to happen there Oh my God. Like it was like, you know, I've written down here, Big E was an afterthought, but it was just so nondescript and dull and repetitive. And they didn't even go on the, on the cliches and the tropes, you know, that one person, you know, you build your big monster, going to have him chuck out sort of 10 people. Who's going to be your next big star. And we didn't have any of that stuff. It was, it was really, really depressing. And then my mind always goes back to the 92 rumble where in my head, exactly. That's like the top end of this. It's, um, it's basically like, you know, you're thinking to yourself like that star after star after star endlessly through all getting big reactions, everything else. You've got flair playing off all of them in this, like the most excited person seems to be Pat McAfee during like and i was embarrassed during that shinsuke nakamura bit and there's a part of me thinks oh. if you if I, if I told 2015 me that i'd be embarrassed to see aj styles and shinsuke nakamura in a raw rumble i'd be like what happened how'd they end up that's mental but as soon as they started it was just i'll like, tell you yeah. what i bet you did enjoy i bet you loved a bit of um Bobby Roode and AJ Styles facing off as the crowd chanted tna i bet you <laughs> i bet that got a pop in your house a surprisingly big chant, a surprise, a shockingly big chant that they that got there. It was um, it was kind of ridiculous. Like I, I did have a good laugh when that happened. Part of the dirty dogs, which for those of you on the daily updates, isn't something I was aware of until I started doing daily updates. And every Monday on Raw, they're there. Um, and Do you know what? I didn't realize, it's the first time I've seen them. <laughs> I, t- I was a. Uh... As uh, as patrons will know that when we're doing like past like shows and things like that, I always love a good age uh, related thing. And uh, on this one, I was like, "How old's Bobby Roode these days?" And I was looking at the age of him and looking at the age of AJ, both older than Hogan of Bash at the Beach when he was the third man. Like, <laughs> how else? <well's that? laughs> wow. What? How long is Bobby Roode's run in WWE? Too long. It's got a lot more better than I ever thought it would have done. Like, really is. Like, I didn't think he was going to get to, to this kind of what is it? It's probably been about five years, which is just, a, I don't know. That could be a complete lie. He could have signed in 2020, but it feels like five years. And when you're putting in the idea of what people's runs are, you know, it's, it's, it, it's, it's kind of ridiculous. But it's like, I, there are things in it like someone like Omos, for example, who they booked, I thought was going to be that big monster chucking people out and really do something there. But do you know what? Ends up like, you know, he's still basically 911. It's still him doing moves to people. And his, but his facials are better. Like, I, I, but I don't know what he is in terms of like proper athleticism. That's the other thing. Is he, is he one of these lads who's just a bit too big? to be doing anything that involves him kind of moving at any kind of speed, you know, you, you, you wonder about that. Um, yeah, but it's, it, 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 it's almost watching this, seeing people, you go, 
I rem- forgot Ricochet existed until he came out in this match. And that's and that's kind of what this company does. If you don't watch on, on the reg, you see this and you get, a, it's almost like the Rumble is like a state of the roster. And in this, I'd be worried about people on the men's roster who are over because it, it appeared to me that so many other people on the women's roster were over than that. I know that was earlier on in the evening, but bloody hell. I mean, with, with that though as well, like as we've come back to crowds and things, like it's it's almost like that, lit, something like this is almost that like proper litmus test, isn't it? To like who's over and who isn't kind of thing. And then like literally the first, I mean, it was literally the first, in that first 19, 20 people that came out, there was like maybe like one or two people who got some a small pop, like AJ Styles got a pop. Maybe that was it, AJ and... Yeah, Johnny Knoxville maybe, but like again, it just sort of just really just demonstrated like not a star, not a star, not a star, irrelevant, doesn't matter kind of thing. And uh, mm-hmm. you harken back to that '92 Rumble, I was laughing because I've literally got the, you know, the running order up on my screen, like my other screen next to this, and just because it is, it's always that thing that you look back, and I know it's like nostalgia, and it's almost like a period in time, and it's different worlds and things like that. But you know, you're you're looking at a Rumble like back in those days, and you've got like, you know. Obviously, the um, Ric Flair obviously been in there, but you're, like, you're looking at names like Ted DiBiase and Shawn Michaels and Kerry Von Erich, Roddy Piper, Jake Roberts, uh, The Undertaker, Randy Savage, Hogan's in there. You know, Sid Vicious is in there, and like you just like just completely different. Whereas you know, then you look at ty- like this particular one, and while the last ten definitely felt bigger in this rumble and you know they do where they did have people who actually got a bit of a reaction you know fair play you know i, I know drew mcintyre gets a bit of slagging off me on here but he was over with that crowd for mm-hmm. his apparent return i had no idea they would been out or anything like that but you know crowd, crowds were very, very pleased to see him he looked at the reactions that the likes of you know like a kevin owens got like was good but even then it just started to tail down and then when you know goofy kingston weren't that bothered about particularly Big E, Big E, a man who's mm-hmm. had the title and it was supposed to be this big star-making moment this year and things like that. The crowd didn't give a flying fuck when he came through the curtain. And and then the way he was booked in the match as well, oh. he, he, he was booked like he could... He, he was booked like Ridge Holland or somebody. Like, it just didn't... Yeah. He, he, he was not presented as, a, as somebody who's been, you know, at the top end of their, their card for the best part of the last 12 months and yeah. been a world champion, right? He was just he was just any other guy and and it was really kind of jarring with, with Big E more than anybody, I thought. I thought that with Big E. He felt like a complete bit afterthought in that. And it's it's it was it's kind of set up for him to win something like this properly. Like he, he you know, if you have him coming in and, and going through kind of like you know, appearing at like number 24, 25, you kind of, you know, and getting rid of a few high profile names, even if you're not gonna go with him. But he was a complete afterthought. And then I thought with Kofi Kingston, it appeared to be that the only thing they wanted him there for was to do his big stunt, which obviously after a point, and they said he'd been in 15 Royal Rumbles. In the chat, they said Dolph Ziggler's been in 16. 16 Royal Rumbles. That's obscene. Like you just, you're looking at going like, oh my God. But yeah, so he's, you know, 15 Royal Rumbles and they still think of him in that time, regardless of the world title win and everything else, he's the guy who does the spectacular Raw Rumble moment. And then when you get when you all think he's thrown out, he's not thrown out. And it's just kind of like you want to go, well, you should be 
you should be treating him better than this. And Big E is the biggest one because there was that kind of excitement. I mean, and I mentioned about like him on kind of mainstream TV. He was like, he's kind of perfectly set up as of what they want in a WWE superstar. The kind of from a marketing perspective, how he carries himself, you know, there's always been a thing people talk about his work in the pantheon of WWE. He's absolutely fine. There've been so many, like whose match would you sooner watch Big E or The Miz? I mean, and I'm not a big, big E fan in the ring, but like he's got more presence and everything else there. So to see him treated that way, and it still goes back to like your part-timers. They're not there as like, you know, it, it's it's Lesnar, it's Shane in there, in the, in the top three and the Shane McMahon stuff. I mean, I suppose we've got to talk about it. Like, I mean, what were your thoughts about him even coming in and coming back? Because apparently he was he was going to be in the Elimination Chamber. There was talk of him being in a title match at Mania. Seriously. A title match? A title match. <laughs> I wish I was fucking lying. I hope it's, it's a, a lie. It's almost like, that's like almost the perfect example of where they are, they're at in 2022. You have to roll out Shane McMahon to slap him in a title match, potentially, because, you know, literal case in point of what we've just run through there, there was no fucking stars or or, or anybody, you know, to to slot into that that position. Like, obviously, you're referencing there that news story today about him being, you know, released or um, what, you know, again... I haven't read that story in any detail. I just saw that headline and I just thought, was he was he even in there anyway? Like, I, I had no idea, you know, I definitely don't follow WWE close enough to, you know, mm-hmm. even, be aware, even be aware of any of that stuff. But to me, it was just like, hasn't he just, a, for the last few years, just been a guy who's just kind of in and out whenever they want? And I didn't realise that he was kind of any level of presence anymore backstage or anything that he was released or even that they had, like, plans firm and things like that it just uh, it just seems odd and 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 bizarre i think that's the thing that i kind of felt like first of all is, is do they ever really go away like it might be a fact where he's not on tv for whatever reason and it's still incredible to think that you know this is vince doing it to his son you know <laughs> and he's already done it to his adopted son in there um Nick Khan's in the front row. Like it's 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 a very sort of strange set of affairs. It's you know it's become a parody of Succession at this point in in terms of where that company is with it. It's just very odd that he had any backstage power. I find that it's slightly incredulous. I mean, it's always been the idea that his ideas are frankly seeming closer in line with Russo. You kind of hear them and you think, well, that sounds mental. That could be fun, and then in practice, probably awful. I'd like to see him start a pride, like when he wanted to buy that. That seemed like yeah. good fun for shits and giggles. Like that, that, that would have been exciting. But it's it, at the same time, this is where their direction is. They think a fifth, you know, fifty-year-old non-wrestler is like a genuine answer to kind of issues regarding like the 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 not only the creative direction, but like being one of the push talents there. And it and it, yeah. and it doesn't it it kind of makes you then think, all right, this isn't going to be the year where suddenly there's going to be the breakouts. There'll be that kind of little moments they'll throw you, which we've seen happen with Bianca Belair, and we've seen happen with the Kofi Kingston. But fundamentally, this is where they're going to go to under this current direction. 
and I think Riddle was the other one that they they had like apparently was touted to, as a possible winner, and they were changing minds on there as well. Which I mean, everything else that is, that he kind of carries with him in terms of the baggage there, you at least would have understood the logic like from their perspective about wanting to push someone that they haven't done this before, because it, you know, you see, it's kind of worked with Drew, with um, Drew McIntyre made plenty of references to McIntyre winning the rumble and chucking out Lesnar before, but mm-hmm. yeah, it's, this men's rumble is just a damning indictment of where the men's roster is. And you mentioned about how open they are. And the simple answer is they're not. And, and I tell you what, as well, like when you when you look at the rumble and you look at the match structure as well, and it's something that I've mm-hmm. come back to on this podcast like plenty of times. You know, again, to me, it was just another nice, clear, annual um, reminder that the brains of the operation, from a booking point of view, was always fucking Pat Patterson, and like obviously he's strongly yeah. like aligned to the best rumble booking in the past. You know, people talk about the best WWF booking back in the day, and it been. Vince and Bruce Pritchard and uh, Pat Patterson sat around the pool and booking what they were going to do for the next 12 months and things like that. I think we all know who had the best fucking ideas uh, where of those three guys uh, sat around the uh, sat around the pool and I think that's where they're um, you know they're sorely sorely lacking is somebody who's got that level of trust with uh, McMahon at that senior level who's actually got a fucking clue when it comes to you know um, you know putting the structuring these things, structuring the finishes and then you, you know, you know, telling a telling a lot of these stories because I think since Patterson um, you know, obviously he had that spell where he was out of the company and then he came back and there was a element of things improving then, then he went away again and um you know, things fell fell off a cliff. I think it's almost like people talk about Vince being this been this genius. I'm sure he's like, you know, I'm, I I just think Patterson is so undervalued in the um, in the success of of uh, WWF for it. I think the uh, for me though the Rumble high spot had to be seeing um, Luke Menzies, who I um, saw playing rugby league for Batley Bulldogs, um, in there uh, mixing it up with Johnny Knoxville. Talk about a head fuck uh, for me that one. Just thinking about <laughs> some uh, semi pro rugby league player that I'd seen playing in the championship in there against like Jack Astar. Bizarre. Yeah. Wrestling, isn't he, it? Only wrestling he, throws these things up for you. And he was there for a while, was Rich Holland. Like he was there for like a fair bit of time. It didn't seem like it was like he seemed like somebody who they wouldn't have given him that amount of time. I don't know. But it seemed to me the Mad Cat Moss was in for the same amount of time as well, which again is another thing that I look at and I'm like, what is this? What is why is Baron Corbin wearing a Hawaiian shirt? But Mad, Mad, Cat, Mad Cat Moss eliminated AJ Styles. Yeah. I was like, what? <laughs> like that was just like I had that mind, written down. Mind blowing to me. I was like, how how could uh, how could that be the um, the elimination of AJ Styles? But here we go. There we go. They're make, making stars, aren't they? By doing a by doing that. They're gonna clearly follow through. They've got a good progression plan there for Madcap Moss to become a a a, a superstar. Like absolutely absolutely fucking uh, absolutely fucking wild uh, that one. But um with Ridge Holland, I was like, he's on SmackDown, isn't he? There was they mentioned mm. while he was in there, and I was thinking, does this make Ridge Holland the most watched English wrestler in the world? It must do, mustn't it? <laughs> Literally, it does. Could be, 
there can be no other no <laughs> other wrestler in the world from England is watched as by as many people as Ridge Holland. Mm-hmm. There are plenty of other Europeans, but that is very odd. And, and rather Billy like Gladson. Yeah, exactly. Well, they, you know, Earl Crabtree Jr. Like he was, he was missing out. He had his opportunity, didn't he, to head over there or, or get the um, Fafita brothers, like in, in as a ta- in as a host tag team, unless one of them's in jail. I don't know about that. That seems like it could easily possibly be be the case. Um, that was that but, was one of my weirdest life experiences. That was when um, I used to have a rugby league magazine and interviewing Earl Crabtree and him. Um, begging me not to use a bad photograph of him to go with alongside the article where he was pulling a gurning face or something like that. He was like, please don't use a, use a photo where my, like, my face looks absolutely terrible and stuff. I'm like, yeah, don't worry, Earl. Leave it to me. <laughs> Good lad. Shall I follow it? It was, his, um, it was, it was his, his, his granddad, is that right? Or his uncle? It was his granddad, yeah. I said, I'm not gonna, I said, I'm not going to ask you about Big Daddy because everyone asked you about Big Daddy, but he was like, no, no, I want to talk about him. And I was like, all right, fair enough. Wrestling, here we go. The thing is, you don't really want to talk about Big Daddy. You'll talk about it because it's him and he's there. But yeah, know, yeah. Like, I thought I was being the smart one and not like, I won't go for that obvious angle. You know, but... <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what did you think of the women's Rumble match by comparison? Um, it was bizarre. It's probably what I would say about large swathe of it, but at least it had a perverse watchability to it that the men's rubble didn't have. That's probably the wrong choice of word as well. I mean, it, 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 in other words, there was so much weird stuff happening in that match that like you couldn't help but watch. It was just odd because it was constant, like kind of a nostalgia fest, various other people. But yeah, I thought it was the better of the two, but I don't, that's not any kind of recommendation really from me because I thought the finale of it was quite meh. Yeah, I would say that about like the, the finish, but you know, it's obviously not a match I'm going to be like throwing fucking stars at, but at the end of the day, it's like a rumble, rumble match and it's not, you know, it's not going to be mm. a match that you're, you know, that, that you're doing, doing that for, but just as a piece of entertainment, I, I bloody loved it. I really, I really, really enjoyed mm. the women's rumble match. Like I just, uh, I just thought with the, I mean, obviously, it, you know, Benno has been doing a lot recently on our shows, referencing the number of, people, of women wrestlers who are actually booked to the main, signed to the main roster and that, like how minimal it is. And that was obviously mm-hmm. like apparent with the, you know, sheer volume of surprises or non-contracted wrestlers in there. You know, when you're looking and you're like literally saying Melina, Kelly, Kelly, Michelle McCool, Cameron, Brie Bella. Alicia Fox, Summer Ray, Nikki Bella, Sarah Logan, Lita, Molly Olly, Ronda Rousey coming back, obviously, as a surprise. Like it was, you know, basically half your rumble, Yeah, Mickey James, basically half your rumbles, people who aren't like bloody on, t- on telly at all on a week to week basis or like signed to the signs of the company. But even that was that was good. It just made it just feel like a bit fresher. And like where I talk about like the first 20 people coming out in the men's rumble of it just been like another somebody who's a nobody kind of thing even like it was severely lacking from just having like three or four like where you just randomly just got some legend or something like that who comes out and gets eliminated after two minutes Mm -hmm. just for that nostalgia pop just something to just get the crowd up and just like have something a bit different um come in there but all of you know all of that i thought was 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 and i thought they did some stuff in there that again it just felt like it 
it felt like more thought had just been given to the booking of this. Like I mm. thought that there was elements in there, like they were doing, you know, again, like I say, I'm not follow, you know, I don't follow the weekly product, but the whole, you know, Sonia Deville, like her, when she's a jack, jacket on, yeah. she's a um, executive. When jackets off, she's a, you know, she's a, she's a, she's a worker kind of thing. And then like they did all that that thing with. Obviously, she's feuding with Naomi, and then so when Cameron mm-hmm. came in, then she was, you know, she was eliminated, jumps in the ring and eliminates Cameron just to piss on Naomi's bonfire and things like that. With that being a mate, thought that was good stuff. Then when you know it looked like we were getting the Naomi handstand spot, she like attacked her and pulled her out of the ring. So you know, wasn't able to do that. I thought that was, you know, that was some good stuff. You know, even things like, you know, when Molly Holly come down doing the superhero stuff, like um, Nikki. A.S.H. jumping her outside the the ring and you know absolutely battering her and being like the number one superhero and stuff. It's bollocks, but it, you know it's but it was fun. Yeah. It was just something that you could just it was like proper just sit back and you know you know eat popcorn and just con- like consume kind of thing and not think about it too much and you know stuff to just I don't know put a smile on your face a bit and I definitely definitely got so much more enjoyment out of the women's rumble than the men's. Well, you've kind of hit on the big structural thing that I think that the Women's Rumble got right, which was, and even then you'd say as a one-off, it did the thing that kind of Rumble matches should do and the manias and really the big four where you are going to throw in a bit of nostalgia and people who aren't normally there. That's kind of part and parcel of it. It's what people want. It always gets that, that kind of easy pop. It's such an easy win for them. But generally, you know, it's very much a kind of ebb and flow with a rumble you kind of you start off you get a bit hotter you get the crowd up then it might have a little bit up you know up and down up and down and it goes all over the place as much as anything else and this kind of did that like i mean i think on the app i might have given it like two and a half stars i gave the men's rumble one and a half and it was just like i was bored i was bored for long swath i think johnny knoxville probably brought it up by half a star for me um but when um Brie Bella comes out and does the yes chant and the crowd go fucking batshit. You kind of go, well, that's yeah. kind of what you want. She got it. She got entirely how to kind of like get that, get over with that crowd and what to do for work. And like, and I've said on there, like, you know, in terms of the other sort, I don't know anything really, Sonia Deville and, and, and Naomi, but I know about it now. Like it succeeds in, it succeeded in those little things that it had to do. Um, it's just, I suppose you get to the end and you think to yourself, all right, you know, Ronda Rousey's going over. I'm not, rem- I think that the idea of Charlotte as a direction to go in, I think is particularly like, I, I think it's the weakest by far. Becky is the match. You're running Dallas. I know they'll say they'll sell out and they'll give away the tickets. Be one that's close to a genuine sellout as you're going to get. Becky Ronda's the match. You do that for one night. You do Reigns versus Lesnar for the other. I mean, it's kind of like a no-brainer. Charlotte feels like, well, there's an inevitability of who's going to win. There's not going to be the kind of heat there. And, like, Rousey is didn't look like kind of really in, like, like she, she looked like somebody who'd been out of the ring for, like, a couple of years. And obviously in that time, she's, you know, just become a mum and everything else. So there's that how much chances she had to kind of get into, to kind of, ring shape as much as anything else but yeah it felt very like I just didn't like the finish of it I mean I knew who had won going into it already and I get the reason for the direction but 
for me, it would be that Becky Lynch is by far and away the bigger match. And I know there's a report saying that that's what we can do for WrestleMania next year. I don't have faith they've got the patience they would have had to do they did with Cena Rock. Do that and have this planned properly for two years. A lot can happen in two years. Nick Khan's spreadsheet will be in more action in the next two years, so Christ knows. They can't book a month in advance, never mind fucking 18 months in advance. It's absolutely like ridiculous to think, but it's 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 one of those. If that's what they're going to do, then they'll just they, they won't give it any thought either, will it? It'll just be something that just happens like two weeks before the event or something. They'll just sort of shoehorn that story together or something, and it'll it'll um, it'll it'll happen. But you know, the one thing you will you can say about Rousey is when she came out, the building fucking lost its shit, and you know she is a genuine big oh, yeah. star, and it was obviously a you know that. You know that crowd reaction was was ace as well, and you know again it's things like that that you end up like comparing other pops um, to across the across the show, and you know certainly throughout that men's rumble. I thought another thing that was like good about this was just there was just some like little things that just worked for me in terms of the eliminations, like. Like, I genuinely was like, what? When, like, Sasha Banks got eliminated by Zelina Vega, like, quite early, like, very early on, really, you know, and and that was, that felt like, like, no way. You just assumed Sasha was just going to be, like, so shoehorned in there for a, a long period of time. So that was, that was quite good that you kind of had that moment there. I thought it was, like, a nice touch with Lita eliminating Mickey James because I thought that Mickey James was one when you knew it was when she was in, you were thinking, oh, how much time are they going to give her and who's going to end up eliminate her? And You know, to see her sort of come out with the the Impact title, to hear that wow. music and things like that, that felt pretty wild to, to, to see that. They gave her the opportunity. Good reception to, as well. Yep, yeah, she got a good reception. They gave her the opportunity to, you know, look good in there as well and then obviously Lita been someone from you know her generation I suppose from when she was first you know in and um, in and around WWF as well like it um I thought that was uh that was that was a you know nice touch from uh for, from that point of view to have, have them like that but yeah all in all give me the uh give me the women's rumble over the men's um any any day of the week um after this match though obviously you're talking about the Becky Lynch stuff and talking about mm. their ability to book a WrestleMania main event with her and Ronda Rousey in 18 months' time. Like, uh, again, I, keep, I almost feel like I keep having to precursor this. I'm not watching it week for week. I don't see what's going on. This could be like an anomaly and things like that. But I thought this match was appalling. And I thought she, I, I thought it just looked as sloppy as hell. But the thing that stood out for me more than anything in this in this match was the crowd were just like stone cold, absolutely stone cold throughout the whole thing. And like I'd like written that down. And then I was thinking about how when like Becky Lynch had that real mm-hmm. momentum and people were calling her like stone cold Becky Lynch and saying, you know, she's just, you know, people were trying to, you know, people who have no fucking idea were trying to claim she was the female Steve Austin and things. I was like, Stone Cold only applies to her in the fact that this crowd was absolutely Stone Cold. They did not give a fuck at all for the whole match. She was trying to do stuff to, like, get reactions from the crowd, and and they just weren't buying it at all. Like, they just weren't weren't going on with it. She she looked and felt like a shell of the wrestler who was who looked so good a couple of years ago. It, it felt crazy to me. If it feels really overblown and melodramatic, this big time Becky character, whereas the whole point of the man was there was there was that element of truth to it. 
which obviously works if you've got the image of her with the bloody nose and everything else. But it was it was such a filler match, and the result was never in doubt. And you're not going to be getting what we would have had of like Viper working the indies and all the various places where she was at. There's only a certain amount of stuff they're going to kind of let her do. But you're right. It was just kind of, it was just really dead. And I think there's something about the the crowd at times where like for this, they'll, they'll react to the overall kind of like the pop of the entrance of a Becky Lynch. That's as far as they go. Like after that, you're right. But I just on here, plodding and obvious is what I wrote down. I went two stars on the app. Yeah, one and a half. I went. It was just. I, I just thought it was. It was really slow, really sloppy. It's mm. like it's average out at two point two nine on the app as well. So, you know, the you know the masses rating it didn't you know think it was particularly good. I'll give a shit either. But again, it was just sort of just like laden with the whole WWE you know, tropes in there, you know, Becky doing the big stupid surprise face when when Viper kicked out on, you know, 2.99 after a big spot or something like that and mm. sitting holding a face in the middle of the ring and you're just like, this is just interchangeable. This could just be any other person from the WWE system just slotted in there now and just like replaced with that. There was nothing redeeming about her that felt like she had that any individuality or uniqueness or anything that was was what made her that you know why she became that star she just did she just felt felt really generic and it was it was pretty like disappointing to see yeah yeah it really is i mean of the other matches that were there and we haven't kind of you know got the two big um men's title matches we had Brock Lesnar and Bobby Lashley first time ever what did you make of it? Um, because, uh, sorry to interrupt already with it. I kind of was liking it. I was enjoying it for the spectacle it was. It was a Brock Lesnar big move set match. It's what they are. There's lots and lots of people of effectively spamming finishing moves, early doors, and then people getting up kind of straight away. I like the dueling Germans exchange at the beginning and it felt like Lashley looked like at that time it was like, ah, oh, he really should be there. Like Lashley should be at the top of their card. Like this is a kind of a no brainer. It's just so bizarre to me that all of his best work is, and I, I don't have his age to hand, but I want to say he's mid forties. All of his best work has been like past 40 for me. It's been like when he was in, in, in impact, I think, you know, that run there had kind of set him up for this one. So I was all prepared, like kind of liking this. And then storyline comes in. And then we've got, we're beholden to that. And yeah, there's a bit of a, like kind of a predictability there. But as soon as that happened, like when I was watching, it was like, well, yeah, it made, you know, it was the thing that I said on the weekend show about this is what they were going to do. Some sort of screwy finish. Brock gets his way into the rumble. And yeah, I don't know what you what you thought about it as well, but I mean, it was even it was kind of like how I felt about the Reigns match, where I enjoyed like kind of quite a bit of it, and then I mean, I think the the finish in that one is much worse than this one, but the finish took something away. Yeah, I think this was one where at the start, like you say, with things like the you know the dueling Germans and stuff, that it was it was you know that was entertaining seeing like these two you know big lads going at it then brock obviously you know having that bloody um you know 
having Brock dominate, but having that sort of thing of like having the the again the WWE trope of the of the barrier getting speared. Like again, that was just one that it's just like how many times have we seen have we seen this? Like literally, you stand somebody, you see somebody standing in that part of the arena, and you're just like five, four, yeah. three, two, spear through the barrier, done. Like here, yeah, it's just like it's as it's as just as too obvious, too frequently done and things. And that was where the match sort of felt like it just, um, I don't know. I started quite excited. I think there was a good pre-match video for this one. As there was a decent like build-up that, um, that, that that got you into it a little bit more. But like my enjoyment of it just went down from there. And then the finish, you know, I suppose we can argue about them, you know, using not telling stories or using convoluted things as well to tell you know stories and you want decisive finishes and things like that i mean ultimately this was you know it did what it needed to do you know it set things up that gets them towards that brock roman reigns match it made sense in terms of what happens at the end of the the show it was was Randy Savage hitting the Ultimate Warrior with the scepter <laughs> before WrestleMania Seven? You know, it was, yeah. uh, it was, you know, it's, you know, it's not a new thing kind of thing, but it's, but equally there where you you see in Lesnar and you see in Lashley in there, and you're just thinking, oh, just let them two just go out and just knock hell out of each yeah. other for ten minutes, and and and, and it'll be a banger. You know, it will be it will be a re- you know really really in, enjoyable match seeing seeing those two. Hopefully, it's something that's you know going to happen you know further down the, down the line because Lashley's somebody who, as he's grown with age, I think he's grown with like confidence and he knows who he is mm. now, and he's he definitely looks more like a killer than he did 10 years ago and obviously a lot of his time in impact and um you know outside of the, the WWE systems kind of like helped him on that that journey naturally the experience of doing that but he's a guy where you talk about stars you know every time I've seen him when I've watched WWE stuff in the last two years you know he's somebody who does have a bit of presence he's does have somebody is somebody who feels like when he's stood there in the ring he's got a while he's not the best talker, he's got a natural yeah. charisma about him. There's something there. Your eyes are drawn to him. He, may, he looks, he, he stands out. He's, you know, he's, there's something about him there. And to, if this match only gets put together and used as a mechanic to get to Lesnar Reigns and never done again properly, where they give him a bit of time and things to do things properly, it'll be a, it'll be a damn shame because it's one that they've got sat there right under the nose that they could uh, they could have something decent with. Yeah, it is that, isn't it? I mean, it's. I could see him doing it later on this year. I could see it being a SummerSlam because I think it's that kind of a match where if you do it properly, you can really get something out of it. However, there's the the kind of fact that there'd be for competing different titles and all the rest of it. At least Lashley went over necessarily, which you know, trying to convince Brock Lesnar that you should go over him is a is kind of no mean feat. So I'm kind of impressed that that was managed through there as well. But and, and we spoke about it before, like the of the elements of WWE have seen when I first saw the Hurt business, I was like, that's a really good stable. You want to go full ball with that because Bobby Lashley looks like an absolute killer and he looks like what a champ what you imagine you want that kind of champ to look like in the suit and everything else. MVP is a mouthpiece you know, completely fine with that. It's like, it's a very good use of him. It's just in some ways, it it still all has to be overshadowed, doesn't it? Necessarily with like the kind of Roman Reigns stuff, which then going into that opening match. And, you know, I 
felt for me actually watching this I really enjoyed kind of quite as more of this than what I actually thought I would do I thought at the at the very beginning there was like I thought the entrances were great and I liked the the Seth Rollins coming out to the shield music as well it was it was like the perfect thing to do if you're trying to get him as a baby face I thought he went at a real pace like for so much of it, like at the beginning. And it was like Rollins trying to get that, that kind of early win and, and, you know, getting the curb stomping and various other things. And I thought it was, you know, I thought it was like a really good, great build to that kind of near fall. After that, Rollins's character doesn't appeal to me as a face. I think it worked kind of for that night. I don't, you watch him and you watch his mannerisms and everything else. That's just not, a, not a face. So like, I know they're telling a kind of interest shield storyline around it, but it's kind of like, you know, it fundamentally didn't work for me there, but then yeah, just a couple of other spots to mention on there. I thought the, the spear into the pedigree counter was fantastic. I like, I really did enjoy that. It's probably the most I enjoyed about stuff about a Seth Rollins match since that step up RKO he takes as well. Mm-hmm. And it was just at the part, when it was Reigns was going to hit the guillotine and he starts laughing that we get into this whole wave of bullshit where it, it gets himself intentionally disqualified. I didn't think McAfee helped at all. He was hurting my head at this point watching this. And it just became this draw, long, drawn-out beatdown. And it was just like, oh, my God. Like, this is, like, I thought all of the good work that was put in at the start of that match. And there was a lot of, I thought a lot of good work got completely kind of ruined by the end. Yeah. I, ca- I can't disagree. Like in the pre-show, we were doing the joke about being the same person with our ha- caps and glasses and birthdays and all that kind of thing. You've literally just almost just read my notes off my phone, <laughs> phone here, like through the screen or something. It's I'm literally thinking exactly. That's the same. a lot tonight, it's, mate. This is scary, isn't it? Well, to be, uh, our ratings are normally pretty, uh, pretty aligned as well. Like um, mm-hmm. uh, along uh, along the way, when I look back on the look back on the app, but I think with this one, like I do, I do genuinely like for as much shit as I'll give WWE, I do genuinely, mm-hmm. genuinely go into every time we watch a pay per view, and I try and go like, right, let's wipe away the negativity. Let's treat this on its merits. Let's watch it as if I was just putting on a New Japan show or I was watching an AW show or whatever it is. And I'm just like, right, let it, you know, what happens happens kind of thing. And uh, and we'll, t- we'll take it from there. And I, I generally try and, you know, approach it in that way. And like, I love the Royal Rumble. I just love the Royal Rumble. It's my favorite WWE pay-per-view. Once, you know, certainly once they got rid of the Survivor Series teams in the early mm. 90s and the way that it was that it was done it was you know it, you always enjoy like um this uh, this this event so i was feeling quite upbeat and positive about it as well and also just from that benno versus matty the show as well like mm. you know having matty talk about roman reigns talk about him you know just talking positively and things like that i kind of went in there with matty's words still ringing in my ears as well kind of thing you know so i was thinking no oh, good you know bit of perspective here and stuff you know let's just uh take it as it as it is and and like i was i was thoroughly thoroughly enjoying this i I really was i was i was surprised by how much i was enjoying it and i thought the commentators early on were doing like that good thing about 
you know, selling this whole Reigns not being over the shield, which obviously not watching week to week is not something that I would have known about. You then get the thing of Rollins coming through the crowd to the shield music and with the shield gear on and things like that, which again was brilliant. I absolutely ace that. I thought whoever idea that was 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 class. Given that that's what they'd they'd built, you know, I, I thought that the match itself was, you know. Really, really, you know, well put together early on. I thought it was, like you say, it was fast paced. It was exciting. There was a lot of stuff, you know, happening that, you know, was probably brought out the best of these two who obviously know each other so well. There was like some shield spots in there as well, just giving you that little nod and things like that there, which, you know, you kind of always appreciate uh, too. But like you, I've literally got here, then the Amdram starts and like you just had that like, um, you had that point where, like, Roman's like, after everything we went through, you're gonna laugh at me, is saying, as he's like, and you're just like, Sh- like, shut up, you're supposed to be the biggest star in the company, this massive hard bastard kind of, and, and you're just like, you're talking like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, it, it uh, just, it felt totally out of um, sync with the rest of the match, the way the match had been to that point suddenly it was like right now you've got to start performing you've got to start doing doing this kind of this kind of thing and i mean you still had good stuff after that with like like you say that spear spot into the pedigree that was ace but um but then you've got the thing where reigns like rollins is like laughing at him and holding out his hand for the fist bump and all that that was just so hammy and so crap and like you know then when roman's got the um, guillotine on him and like he's refusing to release the hold and He's there shouting, he won't allow me to release it. He won't allow me to release it. And think, and you just think, what, what are you talking about? Like, it's just, like, it just utter, just guff like it just, just totally, totally just, you know, ruined it. Up to that, the point that the Amdram started, I was literally sitting there thinking, like, if this, if the end of this match goes well, I could be finishing up here on like a four star WWE match based on the way it had started, which would be absolutely mental to think of that. And certainly when you think of like what I talked about with the grapple 100 there of the volume of main roster matches that, you know, even get close to, 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 to that level. But um, yeah, God, like one of them game of two halves. <laughs> it was, uh, you know, very, you know, very much. Absolutely. For, for game of two halves. It was like, jumpers for uh, goalposts. If, and I did appreciate that when Reigns attacked Rollins with the chair to the spine, it was almost like they could not have been stood in the ring at a more perfect position to be a mirror of when Rollins um, hit him with the chair when he turned on, you know, he turned on the back in the day. That was clearly intentional, and it was just per- it was it was perfect to the position of it. And I thought, yep, fair play. That's a good little subtle um, mm. subtle uh, nods to to that as well. And, um, before he sort of destroyed him with the chair, but um, the highest rated match on on Grapple. So you know, I've got three point two five. The average on the app is three point three seven. So again, it was mo- the most enjoyed match on the show, but. When 3.37 is the most enjoyable match on your show, um, I think it's sort mm. of a testament to what the rest of the, the show has been like. And it really shouldn't have been. I think I went 3.25 as well. And it was like I was fully prepared 3.75, four stars. When it was going, it's like this great stuff. And then, yeah, just that ending. Like everything about it just completely takes it out of there. Um, 
in terms of the 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 only other match I think that we haven't mentioned on here at the moment is the Beth Phoenix and Edge versus Maurice and Miz match. I mean, have you got many thoughts on this? Personally, it was a match for the crowd to go to take a piss and buy some merch while waiting for the men's rumble. It was your standard big show WWE mixed tag novelty fair stuff with some some spots in there that were kind of not as bad as I thought. Weirdly, I you know, they seemed like they planned this out within an inch of its life. I'm sure Maurice is someone who's who's never been good in ring. She has her role, which, you know, obviously extends to the kind of Ms. and Mrs. TV show as well. That's their thing. You know, they they do their work in other ways. She did nearly kill herself, I think, in that hurricane or an edge. I was, I, I thought she, she nearly caught herself quite badly on that. Um, just far too long. Just sort of just went on for ages. I'm not saying this is a good match. It was what you would expect this match to be with its various kind of spots. And was it the it couple versus the grit couple is how they, uh, how they said it was. Really, one of them should have been the shit couple. If we were going <laughs> to do those kind of comparisons, and that would really probably be Miz and Maurice. If I'm going to say on a personal point of view, yeah, you asked me if I had many thoughts on this. I've looked down at my notes, and I've, all I've written down for this is Edge and Beth versus Mike and Maurice, and that is all I've written. So I've got no other thoughts on this match. I was, wow. I, I, literally, I literally, aside from that Hurricane Rana spot. I can't remember a thing about it. I think I was just staring vacantly at the screen for 20 minutes, I'm guessing, and there was nothing to break me out of my um, my trance um, until the uh, until the men's rumble starts. So nothing to add. <laughs> no, no. I, it, I think ultimately when it comes to this, it's, it's, it almost feels like these kind of really big tentpole shows they do ultimately always end up disappointing. I'm not saying like the day one cards and stuff are better, but if we're going on kind of like what the quality of wrestling is, it's three stars. Like, and it just says a lot about the, at best it's, it's average. That's it's really not, where it, it it's is. It's not even three stars. Like, you know, like literally the average across the six matches is 2.4 <laughs> on there. You know, you're looking at things like men's Royal rumble, the average on the apps, 1.74 women, that Beth and edge matches, 2.26, Lesnar Lashley 2.77, Becky Lynch and Dewdrop 2.29, Women's Royal Rumble, even though it was better, 2.32. Like, mm. you know, literally there's there's one match there that's gone over two and a half other than Reigns and Rollins. And you know, it's uh, it's it's in in some ways it's kind of, it's kind of like disappointing really because there were good parts in elements there that it could or should have been higher, you know. You know, like yeah. we talked there about that Reigns Rollins match, we could have been talking about that in more holistic, glowing terms if they hadn't brought the bullshit at the end. The Lesnar mm-hmm. Lashley stuff had potential early on and things, but obviously, you know, that was ended up being a storyline match. The Women's Rumble was was good, and it was what it you know it was what it what it was there. But you know, the Men's Raw Rumble is always a match where there's certain elements that you can build into it that leave you thinking, oh, I enjoyed that, you know, where there's interwoven bits of character development or storylines or surprises or, you know, big eliminations and things that feel like meaningful, even though if, even though you possibly don't think they're going to go anywhere. There's none of that really. It sort of felt like they, that in front of a big crowd, 
like that as well. It just sort of felt like they they missed an opportunity. I, th- I mm. think to to get you get you more interested because right now you know going into if this is the if this is the big thing leading into WrestleMania, coming off the back of that, I wasn't sitting there thinking, oh fucking hell, I can't wait for WrestleMania, you know, which is in theory what this show should be leaving you thinking. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't come out like any of the, the kind of big stuff, the the big directions they planned on going in. I was like, I'm not enthused about any of them. And we've, you know, you've either seen variations of it before or it's not really a a matchup that, that kind of seems interesting or it's the, it's the other kind of matchups that are there as well. And, 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 you know, you look at the rumble events, what, who are the big new stars that were made? as well like you kind of come away from these things there used to be so much with a rumble that came out of it you had several matches inside there i mean i know the match itself turned out to be a disaster but i remember when lesnar came out and delivered the f5 to goldberg like in the rumble match i was like that felt like a really big moment you know and that's one of the more recent i'd be putting into the more recent rumble categories although it's probably like 15 years ago you're just not getting anything like that at all so yeah well, WWE. You, I mean, you, pick, you pick out something like that for recent. The one, the, the biggest ball drop is the whole Keith Lee thing when he came out. Was that last year or was it the year before? Yeah. And you've got Lesnar in the ring and Lesnar's, you know, doing, they're like, oh, you're a big boy or whatever, you know, and that just felt like, fucking hell, like they're giving Keith Lee a platform here, making him look like someone, you know, Lesnar's interested in or, you know, it, on that level or something to some degree. But pff, we all know what happened there. I think, I think he's got his notice periods up, isn't it? Tomorrow, is it? Or is it? I today? was going to say, I don't know if I was going to ask you the same thing. Is it today or tomorrow? It's one of the two because he's one been out the there. There's various other things. I think there's an interesting. I saw Kyrie Sane with a kind of egg timer emoji on there as well, which makes you think she'll probably end up back in stardom, which will be another thing. You know, so we'll going to stardom in a bit. Um, but yeah, there's WWE. Like, thank God we don't watch Raw or SmackDown, and I don't think that will ever happen. But on on the on the happy ship AEW this week, that was the other thing, the other big thing that you had watched. Was it? Did you watch Dynamite, Dynamite and Rampage? I watched two Dynamites and two two Rampages. So it was. Uh, wow. I thought I thought I was like I thought oh, I've only got like half of last week's Rampage to watch or something before I catch up on this week's, and then I was like, oh no, fuck! I've got like half a. Uh, Half a two weeks old dynamite to watch as well. So that was uh, that was my day. That was where Noah fell by the wayside, was catching up yeah. on uh, doing the Royal Rumble. Well, did the Royal Rumble watch the other day, but catching up on the AW stuff. Yeah, it's such a fall. What kind of hardcore fan are you watching American <laughs> mainstream promotions? Honestly, shame on you. Um, I'm, too, I'm too busy staring at spreadsheets and sourcing imagery of one on one matchups and uh, putting them onto a website to watch wrestling. I can't even think what was the big thing that happened on Dynamite a couple of weeks ago. Is that the weird Cody promo? <sighs> With the ladders? Honestly, I can't. It's a it's a, it's a blur to me. Wow. I can't I can't even I can remember I can remember the most recent one because I've got notes in front of it and I've watched it most recently today, but the first one's just that was a passive watch, that one. Well, you know, um, one of the things, you know, especially with this, I know I'm getting grief for the banners already. You know, this is this is what happens, and I'm trying to type it in as well. I'm trying to be clever to put it up on there, but you know, I'm slacking on this front. I thought you mentioned about the ladders. 
I think that's the first place to start is, dare I say it, a really good fun ladder match, which I didn't expect. You know, shock horror. <laughs> shock horror. We we thought to ourselves, you know, the build to this, it was like very much an afterthought. Sammy as interim champion didn't like the battle of the belts, like the Cody wasn't going to be there. So he had the match against Dustin. It was all, all very much like kind of like, this is not a good reign at all. Well, they went out there. And dare I say it, and I spoke, Benno was telling me about this when we watched the, um, uh, what do you call it, when, when we were doing the weekend show together. And he was just like, I, the only thing I'd seen is the gif of the cutter, but I hadn't seen the match. And I thought, this is a hell of a lot of fun. And as much fun I've had watching a ladder match in so long, I thought it was genuinely creative. They did stuff. How many ladder matches do you reckon you've seen over your lifetime? And, in the last 12 months. Yeah. <laughs> and this this had stuff on it that I haven't seen as well. And, you know, I think Sammy just being willing to absolutely kill himself, these ladders being brutal as well, and thinking of that senton spot to the outside, which looked like it would have fucking killed. Um, but that cutter spot is something that they should be putting on the dynamite kind of um, intro package because that was just a thing of beauty from beginning to end and it kind of set the bar up. I thought, you know, it, it was all of the things that kind of Sammy should have had. I thought, like, you know, the match he had against Miro where he won the title I thought was very good and I keep on thinking with Miro's absence, I'm assuming this, this is just injury. I'm hoping it's just injury related or anything else because it, it does seem kind of bad but here, I thought, you know, we didn't get any of the Cody bullshit. Like, dare I say, I thought it was like a the, the best performance from him in quite a while. There was that requisite amount of, of danger that you wanted from this. The crowd absolutely loved it. There was a spot where Cody suplexed Sammy onto the metal bits between the ladder that was horrific on there. Um, yeah, I thought the superplex off there as well. I, you know... All of these things were done at a level you think, oh, this is really good. And I, I tried to, you know, GCW tried to do a ladder match and he was just like, you know, these things are the, are the worst. And multi-man ladder matches are just something that need to disappear for a very long time. But yeah, this was exactly the kind of boost that Sammy Guevara needed. And it felt like the crowd had completely bought into it as well. And I think we came away not thinking, not talking about Cody, and various Cody-related things. And actually, I came away thinking a lot more about Sammy Guevara. And that, for me, is kind of job done. 100%. That is what I've written down here, is like Sammy, Sammy Guevara came out of this match looking like a significantly bigger star than when he went into it. And again, mm-hmm. as you're trying to elevate these people and you know get new faces to the, to the top of your roster and establish people and build a reason to care about people and things like that, the, you know, AW have done a good job with their non-established people have been able to just get them forward and do that. When you look at what they've done with the likes of MJF, you look at the way that, that they've worked things in uh, progression for Jungle Boy, for Darby Allen and things like that. But, you know, they're doing it with Sammy Guevara as well here. And like he, that what you can say about him is as well is like he had this 
you know, spotlight on him there, opening a show, a show that's kind of got like a, you know, a subtitle of it being a beach break, you know, there's quite a lot of big matches on the card and things like that. So it's sort of felt a little bit more important than your typical average Dynamite. You know, you're opening the show where they're open to get, you know, the biggest ratings draw that they can at the start and then try and like maintain that, that audience. And he didn't shit the bed in the slightest. He went out there and absolutely performed showed that is somebody who's reliable that you know you can put in that position and he's gonna is gonna deliver he feels like he's just sort of getting better and better and more over with the crowd as the weeks go by and you know i had big doubts about him being this the sort of the baby say face side of him from where he had been at um at that particular time as a as a heel and i wasn't sure if it was the right move for him at the time well I'm proven wrong on that one because you like it's it's just been executed perfectly and he's he, he's done it done it perfectly as well. I could list all these spots that you've referenced there. You know, I've you know I've literally written the same bullet points across all the all of those mm-hmm. there. But you know that when the things there, um, it is Cody and a lot of them. You know, like you say, the the big hesitation suplex. Cody with the figure four through the ladder and things was mm-hmm. a nice little spot where he's like twatting him with the ladder while he's got him in the in the hold and, and and stuff was things things that I enjoyed there. But obviously the big stuff that matters, it was Sammy doing that sort of swamped onto the ladder, and at the end, the end was just like a good straightforward finish. Like there wasn't it, there there wasn't any sort of bullshit to it they're up on the top of the ladder sammy swings the belt back belt shot to the face cody falls off the ladder sammy gets the belts just a nice simple straightforward you know finish to 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 this type of match there as well whereas a lot of ladder matches can end up getting a bit convoluted and too much mm. happening and things and maybe things end up looking like they're a bit slowed down and the, the timing can be off and some sometimes at the end of a ladder match you know the person having to get back to the top of the ladder and things like that it gets a bit tropey but again i thought this was this was really good and you know going through you know to the end i mean on the app people have averaged it out at like 4.20 so again you know very strong score second highest match of the year so far for for AEW. i'm not that high on it i've gone like 3.75 but for you know that's a fucking good cool. score. Yeah, it's a fucking. I, I was teetering between mm-hmm. the two, and like I ended up landing on like three point seven five, and it is like that's a TV match, and it's a three point seven five TV match. Fucking hell! It's um, I still marvel at the fact that you can just watch weekly TV wrestling, and you can just expect to get a match of that level. You know, at mm. least at least once a fortnight. You know, you know certainly. And again, this was just another example of them delivering, giving you a reason to to watch, giving you a reason just to be like mm. absolutely lost in it and focused on it. And especially like you say, the ladder match has been done to death. Yet it felt fresh and new, and I didn't feel at any point like, oh fucking hell, like you know, another another ladder match here. And um, um, yeah, the only thing lacking was um, Kenta's gigantic ladder. He was sat, he was sat at home watching, thinking, call that a ladder. This yeah. is a fucking ladder. <laughs> well, he was also probably watching while having crutches beside him as well. He's teetering in lots of pain, having near killed himself in that match. Um, yeah, it, it was, it, I mean, it, it was definitely like the kind of, 
a highlight of anything recently, really, from from both of them as well. And I think we gave the TNT title that bit of focus. I mean, I'm just hoping this leads to a substantial run. And you know, it's 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 one of those kind of aspects to the show where you're thinking, you know, are they going to be able to do these on the level with WWE? And they kind of need to do some of these kind of more stunt based matches from time to time in order to get in order to appeal to that. Um, viewers been watching the Big Bang Theory beforehand, like so many. Um, another big point of the show um, that I wanted wanted to bring up, or, um, obviously, was CM Punk. Um, at time of recording, we're doing this on, on Wednesday night. Um, I'll be talking about the dynamite results in about seven hours' time, or possibly the afternoon, if I'm going to feel cheeky and try and do the afternoon bit at work. But We've got, finally, MJF versus CM Punk in Chicago. We had another dueling promo package. It did start off with the kind of usual um, CM Punk comes out and talking loads about Cleveland and how much it's like kind of Chicago and all the rest of it. And then we ended up in the back and forth. Um, I don't know how you feel about this going to TV. I think if you'd asked me this, in a couple of months, because I thought this of the builds was like the kind of almost felt like the kind of obvious one. It was the one where they finally was the beat down. Benno said it on the weekend show. It makes sense. And no one comes out to save punk because he hasn't got any friends. So like, I kind of thought aren't Darby Allen and Sting kind of friends, you know, didn't they share face paint together? I don't know if that's a, like, you know, cementing a lifelong bond, but I thought like that kind of worked. I think the idea for me because if we're always going to wait for pay-per-views for where all the big matches should be, I think we're, we're going to have an issue. You're going to have an issue with the TV. And I kind of think with my overall point that Mookie Ball works to a certain extent, but if you're making television, it can restrain the kind of creative aspect. And I think you've got to deliver on some big matches. You can go, if you do them well enough, then on pay-per-view, they should mean more. If boxing and UFC and other sports tell us something, it's those rematches that do turn out to be bigger. And God, I think even KSI versus Logan Paul was bigger. So, yeah, I didn't think I'd be bringing that up tonight. But, you know, at the same time, I think this is the kind of stuff they have to deliver on for TV. I think they've got so many potential unique matchups and they've only got so much TV time. I'm not saying you blow through all of them in a year, but I think they could deliver a lot more on these. And they should be perhaps having once a month that there's like kind of a really big, interesting match. I mean, I don't think this is the end of it. I'm expecting it to be some sort of screw job finish, whether or not it goes, Benno says it might go to Wardlow at the pay-per-view. I mean, that seems very quick from where we are now to the end of February that you could get that into a pay-per-view match. I don't know, maybe it's just me. I like to I'd love to see that stuff happen on the pay-per-view because then it feels ultimately a lot more substantial and that's where you go with double or nothing. But yeah, um I don't know what your thoughts are on it though. I'm looking forward I'm you know I'm looking forward to this match. I'm gonna be intrigued how they do it, what they deliver on it. You know, ties in with the Wardlow stuff. When I did the podcast with Alan, I had him in the top 10 to watch because he feels like he's someone who's going to be going straight into that main event picture. And he's a big part of this as well. Yeah. Are you excited for it? Oh, I am. Like, I thought this was a, it was a money segment. It was, uh, it was something where at the end of this, like, couldn't wait to 
to get that match, you know, next week. I think it was one of those where in previous weeks there's been sort of a lot of some of the stuff between MJF and Punk and some of it's landed, some of it hasn't landed, you know, whereas I felt I felt like this was one that I think because they had that more immediate focus of there definitely being this match next week or tonight as we record. Um um it it just felt like it was a bit more accelerated and focused and 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 mm-hmm. it, at the end of it I was like yes come on like I'm I'm ready for this I'm really ready for this now I thought the uh, I thought they hit things uh, absolutely to to perfection um, there throughout throughout um, I think just the, the touch at the end like you say there with the the pinnacle coming in and battering punk mm-hmm. again just was almost like the cherry on the cake for me for, for me with this i just thought the way that was executed with the you know the no running for punk i think the wardlow role where he was standing back and it wasn't until he was instructed to do the power bomb that he did and then once he did he sort of was a bit half-hearted about it and kind of you know stepped away to the back again just to sow in those seeds for what we're all seeing with that wardlow storyline developing and as well i just thought this was a great great little bit of business here just for you know setting the immediate things up but setting things up for for further down the line as well and you know i i I don't expect that the match on dynamite is going to be um one that's like a probably a a definitive classic or anything by by any means i feel like it's going to be something to set something up further and my expectation is that mjf wins obviously by some hooky beans or something like that so that then sets something up on the pay-per-view that gives a reason for you know punk to come back you know it gives mjf the bragging rights of you know chicago you know they've started beating him in chicago they've started to reference things like the podcast and you know Mm -hmm. using the line you know if he, he hasn't got his due he's willing to sue and things like that you think in Chicago Cabana, maybe I'm getting into fantasy booker territory kind of thing, but well, do you do you know Cabana's, Cabana's worked with MGF in the past, you know, a bit of um, a, you know, indies and stuff like that as well, you know. Who it, who knows? You know, you may be like reading something down the line, but I think that could if if there was an element of that introduction in Chicago and in some way aiding MGF, because obviously Cabana's not been seen on TV for a for for a while as well. That would be fucking gold money up, you know, <laughs> absolutely like money for me. I just, I want that to happen so bad. I just want Cabana to get um, intertwined into into this. But even if he doesn't, and and it, and it is some other means that lead, you know, that 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 leads to it, I'm fully on board with this. Like, mm. it's great to have a a storyline in wrestling that I'm just like leave it that that you watch a segment like this and it's genuinely leaving you excited for what's to come mm-hmm. we've had so many years starved of that that like i appreciate these so much more now and if they turn around and told me it was going to cost me a tenner to watch a dynamite this week i'll be paying that tenner immediately just to see see this interaction mm-hmm. and that's that's where that's where wrestling the wrestling promotion should be I- and it's the thing they need is a television show to generate that heat, to keep that momentum. Because we've seen this. The part of the problem is, is that they go post-pay-per-view, things feel like they hit a lull. And yeah, they'll have 
like in between that they'll have a big match and we saw that with the kind of hangman and and brian danielson stuff as well but i think them doing this and this is a strategy it's it's a symbol of where we are but i think they've got so many more movable parts for it but this is a story this is we're at chapter one there's a long long way i think we're we're going with this yeah, it, you know, you mentioned the fantasy booking stuff. You say that to yourself, like, what a sideline that to go to is Punk versus Cabana. Like, that would be kind of like Benno, Benno's head would explode. I don't know what he, he would kind of make of the whole thing. Probably have Ace Steel come out there and, and, and do a run-in during their match or something along those lines. I mean, I mean, I thought that, like, you know, talking about the, sort of the rest of Dynamite as much as anything else, I think there was, like, stuff in terms of the matches that weren't, like, particularly great from there. Um, I wasn't mad on Adam Cole, Orange Cassidy. You know, I don't know if you heard us talking about it on the weekend show, but, you know, I did see the Dan Howes and stuff. I mean, just to repeat what I said on there, I I know he's popular and I get why you would bring him in. It makes sense. It's relatively cheap. He gets a reaction. I don't get it in the slightest. It does nothing for me at all. But that's not a reason he shouldn't be on the show because if it, if it does work and it does appeal and, you know, it did a good rating. It did 1.1 million. I mean, it did a, you know, like a very, a very strong rating. So you do kind of wonder what the value in, in Dan Housen is. And there is a value there. I just personally, it's lost on me, but then not everything has to appeal to me. Um, but as a match, like, I mean, you know, again, sorry, bring up all Benno's points on here. Um, he's speaking through me using the power of the medium. Um, <laughs> it is the case that we've gone from an orange, like Orange Cassie does tend to go from like, where do you go from Chris Jericho to Matt Hardy to this? Like, there's always like, it always feels like he's involved, like it's like a blood feud, but he's only just finished the Matt Hardy one and he was into this one with Adam Cole. And yeah, I just, I don't, yeah. Like, I, I just want this to be over. The fact that I know it's a lights out match, so they say it doesn't count in his official record. I, just, I don't like that kind of stuff because then the lights out gimmick just exists as a way to circumvent what the rankings are. You don't get to do that in foot, in you know, in, in any other sport. Go, oh no, this is just a friendly, yeah, doesn't count. Like, it worked when I was 12 and I was playing football at the park with my mates. It doesn't work, it shouldn't work here. Yeah, it's it's a it's a bit odd that it, it's it definitely takes away from it takes away from the the win a little bit there where it's mm-hmm. like goes into you know it's not on the record and things. I suppose it always gives a mechanism for further down the line if Adam Cole's trying to say he's undefeated or things like that as well. Then it's something that can be used again potentially in the in in the future. This match to me was just. I mean, I'm not a huge Orange Cassidy fan as it is. Like, it was, it was fine. You know, it was it was a match that I've gone three point two five stars on. It was entertaining enough for something that was on my TV. Like with the Danows and stuff. I mean, again, it's 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 one of those where I'd say is not it's not for me. But then again, I haven't watched much of of it either, kind of thing. But on the flip note, I'm I'm a 44 year old man this year jp um so you know it's um you know it's probably not meant to, it's not meant to appeal to to me yeah. or you anyway really kind of thing. so it's one of those that i'm i'm always prepared to just like all right well 
give it a, you know give it a go see how it you know see what comes with it i think he has had some kind of like mainstream breakthrough in some other areas and things like that so i'm always thinking well if there is any openness to you know opening a few different doors and things like that that they, they might not get then why not like give it a give it a go um i just thought the ending of this where they fucking um you know where they came off the the, the uh, entrance way at the top of the stage mm-hmm. and you know they went through the stage Cole took one hell of a bump. He didn't have fucking rotate when they fell. Mm. He, he almost like went through head first. I was when it first happened. I was thinking, is he like, how is he getting out of this without a broken neck or something like that? Because God, the way the way he rotated and fell through there was 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 mental. But it was a um, it was a you know it was a it was it was a, it was a good enough match. You know, it wasn't my kind of match at all. But it was again, it was it was entertaining. Couldn't uh, can't have too many complaints about it. Yeah, we we sorry, just another piece of breaking news. Brian Kendrick's been pulled from Dynamite regarding the comments that have surfaced today. Replacement to be announced ASAP. Uh in there. So he's uh, he's fucked himself for, for want of a better word. And yeah, if I no I, I'm aware of the Holocaust denial. So yeah, he's gonna fucking his own fault. Gets what he deserves. Um of the uh, yeah, that was of the other stuff, I thought there was the weird Britt Baker promo, which was just trying all about the Pittsburgh Steelers, wasn't yeah. it? The Cleveland Browns. It was like, what? what? Why are you doing it? It just feels to me at times, they're still insisting, oh no, she's a heel. She's a heel. And you're just kind of going to go, but the crowd don't want her to be. And you do need to listen to them at some point in time. And that's why I've kind of had this thing in my head where you have Serena Deeb, you have Jamie Hayter turn on Britt Baker, join up with Serena Deeb. It, it seems like it's kind of easy stuff to do, you know, have her turn into a face. I think you have Deeb as heel champion with Britt Baker in the chase. I mean, it just seems like so much more. It seems like such a natural storyline that you're going to get mm-hmm. some good matches out of as well. And obviously you're very high on Serena Deeb. But yeah, like I don't, I didn't understand that promo. I don't know if you had any strong thoughts on it in any way. It just sort of felt like, well, this is kind of pointless. It doesn't serve any reason. It didn't appear to be getting the reaction from, you know, there was some cheap kind of booing, but it didn't feel like anything genuine. It was pointless. It just felt like irrelevant to me it felt very very odd and it especially felt odd as well just because when i think within that like division in the nfl i think like pittsburgh came second cleveland came third and thing and like so it wasn't as if they'd just like maybe if they'd like knocked them out of the playoffs the week before or something like that like maybe it would have felt like it had a bit more you know strength or purpose to it but it just um it just felt a bit like why has this been placed here now to today? And it almost just was kind of just felt a bit like whole holding pattern just to get Britt Baker on TV mm. when, you know, that should never be a reason to, you know, have some, you know, just, just because just to get them on TV kind of thing, you know, if you're going to do that, at least have some reasonable purpose. And like what you're saying there mm. about things from, from, from that potential standpoint, you know, across, Dynamite and across Rampage, there's a lot going on with the women's division there, really, when you look and there's like the mm-hmm. Thunder Rose and Mercedes Martinez stuff, there's the Nyla Rose and Ruby Soho stuff, there's the Layla Hurst stuff that's going on with Statlander and Red Velvet. Obviously, you've had the Deep Sheeda stuff recently mm-hmm. that I don't know if that's something that's going to be 
continue. I know Shida's having a bit of a break or something like that currently before that bounces back. You've obviously got Cargill doing the defence of the TBS title. So there's almost like five or six genuine actually storylines going on there within the women's mm. division that are that are built there. You've got Julia Hart there with her eye patch on the side. And you're kind of thinking something's, you know, obviously coming out of this, her demeanor's changed and things. So there's another one. And then you've kind of you've got Brick Baker, a champion, who's there stood in the ring talking about <laughs> Baker Mayfield and the Cleveland Browns. And you're just sort of yeah. a bit like, well, Shouldn't she be having something a bit more substantial than this that she's wow. working on when you've got, you know, when you've got storylines and feuds across the women's division there, across all places, really? It's just like, if that is the direction and Cheetah is out of things, and then this is deep coming to it, why would you put Baker on TV this week doing such a big heel promo? Like, because it doesn't help you steer towards that. Um Dynamic with Serena D be either, so I don't know. It's I was just left very confused by, by the end of that one. Um, yeah, yeah, very. Conv- and you mentioned, I mean, it's look who they had on there. You had um, basically Britt Baker not doing anything, and no Adam Page either. Like that's they're the things I kind of worry about. It's like there's your two champions, and you're not really doing anything meaningful with them. At this point in time, other than building to a match with Lance Archer, and I described him on the weekend show, he's AW Kane. That's what he is. He's like the first title defense, and it's not going to be great because he's getting on a bit. Like it's, you know, he's, he's had a bad back for years. I, you know, like Lance Archer, but he's like, he's, he's up a mid card. That's where he is. And then you go, what well, is he with Dan Lambert? Does that make any sense? He's not really necessarily like kind of behaving like kind of a true heel. But anyway, yeah, that. That stuff was completely left out. I mean, you mentioned Layla Hirsch. I thought the match with her and Red Velvet was not good. Um, and I like Layla Hirsch, but then, you know, I, I, I get, you, you mentioned some of the other stuff they could be going to on there. I don't think we've seen Mercedes Martinez have a match on AW kind of TV either. I, th- I would have thought that would have been a been a place. It's, you know, I think if they're going to do something with Layla Hirsch, I think that's good. I mean, I Team Taz, again, that's the, the most obvious fit you're ever going to find. And the fact she's from, like, New Jersey makes complete sense, given, like, the whole kind of, like, you know, Taz being a New Yorker stuff. It's, it's the way you want to go with that at the moment. But, yeah, I didn't think that was great. I didn't also think the... I thought it was quite weird, the Inner Circle versus Daniel Garcia and 2.0 match necessarily it was just sort of pure storyline around Chris Jericho um I don't know if you had any thoughts on either of those on those matches at all yeah I mean, well, storylines I should say yeah I mean I think for me you know I'm, I'm eager for and I've been eager for 12 months probably now for Santana and Ortiz to almost become their own men and you know have a decent run towards the, the the tag belts. You know, I think they've sort of it felt like feels like they've been in a holding pattern for a while. I quite like you know the the way this is evolving. That it you know appears to be going to you know obviously going to be the the case with that. You know, I thought from a storyline point of view, it was just set up quite nice. Really, the whole not tagging Jericho in and things. It was it was entertaining. It was intriguing, and you know then obviously. Jericho getting himself involved that ultimately meant that they won them won the match. 
quite a nice little thing to to tell there really so you know i think that was one that again you know approaching this thing you know wanting every match on a card to be an absolute you know worldy of a match kind of thing but as a mechanic good stuff That's you know i enjoyed yeah, enjoyed that you know the layla Rush red velvet stuff yeah again like you i can't uh can't claim that this was was very good but you know again like uh when i was like rattling off that list there before i just like the fact that the they've got these range of different storylines going on within the women's division like you know further down they have got you know there is a purpose here for Layla Hirsch and Red Velvet to be having a match because of what went before the week before Chris Statlander's obviously making the save and things it's not just a match for matches sake you know there's there's something that's set up and even they do a lot of this where there's just this one month feud or something like that you know, again, that's that that's something where you you know you like to see things where there is an actual bit of a reason to be to be be having a you know having that match. But I mean, all in all, as a, as a show, if you kind of like looked at it on that basis, I'd be like the Cody Sammy stuff. You know, crack and match to have there as a as as a start. I like the development with the Jericho LAX stuff. The Punk MGF promo was was gold, and the Closing match with Cole and Cassidy, while I'm not as high on it as other people, an entertaining enough, you know, match there mm-hmm. to to close out the show. So if you almost had like tent poles of a of a TV program, it delivered. You know, it delivered to what you'd expect. It was, you know, it was a, it was something that was probably felt like it was above what other dynamites have been in recent weeks. And I sort of let finish watching it feeling like it was a bit more of a return to form. I'll definitely say that overall. I think I'm just probably in the mode where they need to break break this template and structure they've got for the show that they're very, very rigid on because I think that will be the thing that you kind of need to be more creative with in order to keep – because viewers change, you know, you know more than anything else. Like in terms of habits, you need to keep them kind of evolving. If you're going to have this kind of – producing this kind of a television product, I think they can't – yeah, there's things I'd like to see him do that just sort of kind of break up the formula from it. I say all this while I'm eating the sweet. I mean, it shouldn't be eating the sweet this summer night, but, you know, it's my own fault. I brought it upon myself. You watched Rampage as well. I mean, I thought, maybe that's me, last couple of weeks of Rampage, I've kind of enjoyed. There's always mm-hmm. been something on there that I think there's a lot to take away from it. For me, I thought the opening match was really good fun. Moxley versus Anthony Bowens. I went three and a half on it. You know, it's not pulling up any trees, but I like the acclaimed. And I like Bowens. And Bowens has had a series of quite high-profile matches against people. And I'm very, very happy that, like, he's kind of raising his game. And this was the one that was there. And I thought Moxley did, like, a tremendous job as well because there's a very easy story around him having ring rust. He hasn't wrestled for a long time. And then you have the continuation with him, him and Danielson as well. It's a feud and a storyline that I'm excited to see, even though I probably know that they, they could have feuded for two years in WWE and I've been none the wiser about it. (laughs) Yeah, it's, 
<laughs> like hit the nail on the edge with that one. Like literally, as you, as, as you said, that I'm thinking, yeah, did they even have a match? Like I can't even, you know, nothing jumps to yeah. to mind. But equally, they might have had ten. They, they could have headlined five pay per views in a row or something like that. For uh, for for all I know, but I, I like again, you kind of almost like feel like you want to say something a bit different, but. I'm I'm the same as you on this. I thought this was this rampage felt really good. Like it felt like you know, good hour of TV. There was a point there where a couple of weeks ago I was thinking rampage is just becoming unessential. Do I need to watch rampage all the time, or do I need to pick and choose? Well, watching the the last two, I think I've gone like right back up and gone. No, actually, this was the 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 way that these have been structured and what they've put on there. It's it's worked really you know really well for me. That opening match, um, Moxley and Bowens, really, really enjoyed it. I think, um, like you say about the storyline of the of the, like the ring rust of Moxley, it's just been good to just see him get in there and work mm-hmm. substantial match times with Bowens and with Ethan Page the week before. And and I tell you what, the acclaimed are genuinely one of my favourite acts on AEW. Like they're they're a top five act for me. Like they every I enjoy them every week and and as a pairing. This like I, I think um, Caster's raps, um, you know, some of the lines that he just gets in there. Like, there's always one line that definitely makes me laugh out loud every week, which is or, or have a reaction to, which is which is which is good. But tell you what, Bowens as a wrestler, the more mm. I see of this lad, he's a fucking good wrestler. Like, I I, I think he's got one hell of a. Um, future ahead of ahead of him, mm-hmm. and it's something that I don't think I noticed probably in the first um, six months that he was on TV. And that, but but I don't think he was necessarily working the style of matches that you know gave him gave him the opportunities to to show what he can do. In this match, I thought he looked he, he, he looked great. He looks like he looks like you know he comes across like a, like a real seasoned pro and things. There's just like little things that he's doing in the in in the match that just Make him seem more TV experienced than he than he is, and big company mm. experienced that he is. He's got a great look, like he's like I, I I can you know where people talk about like pillars of AEW and things like that. I almost feel like he's a potential like sleeper hit, really. Like he's someone who feels like he could just absolutely you know burst through. And okay, he might not be a mega star, but he almost feels like he could could be somebody who's that ultimately ends up being like that. Mm. Upper mid cards, um, um, singles wrestler eventually. That's just a real, reliable, you know, go to person that you can put in there with absolutely anybody and have have good matches. That's just the feeling that I'm just getting them. The more and more I, I see them, but right now, just together, they just they just click and they just pop off the screen and they're just entertaining. And it's like again, it was such a good contrast to. Moxley in this match as well, and like the Moxley character, you know, they just they um, for, uh, and and one of the things that I, I liked about this match as well is where I talk about like that other match not just been a throwaway. This could have just been a throwaway match. This could have just been like, oh, John Moxley is just having a match against Anthony Bowens, but they did like the little video link into before Moxley went away, and they like showed they they showed that he'd done. I think it was on Dynamite they showed this that. They showed that he'd attacked them before the bell in a match months previously, mm-hmm. and then they showed that he'd done like the paradigm shift on him at the end or something, or when he'd interfered in a match or something. So there was 
they'd almost created that little bit of purpose for this match to be happening. It wasn't just person A versus person B. And again, appreciate that too, you know, and again, again, cracking start to the show. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I don't know what you made of Brock Anderson and Lee Johnson versus FTR. I thought they did the the funny thing when they had, um, I don't know, FTR hair, um, kept on calling Arn, Arn Anderson dad. I thought that was that was very good. Kind of looked look like him as well. I mean, he's I don't know if Brock Anderson will ever be ready for TV necessarily. I just don't think he I can't tell if he's twenty-five or if he's fifty. I think I'm kind of like completely bemused by him. I think he looked better than the mm. last time he was in a prominent position on TV. I felt he looked like he'd put a bit of beef on, like he, he, he is he just looked like a a, a bigger, more um, sort of threatening, more real presence kind of thing in there? Whereas when I think when he was, did he have a who did he have a match with? Did he have a match with against QT or did he have a match with? Uh, it was part was it part of that QT Cody feud or something? It was when he was I first. Think it off. was. It was when he yeah. was first first on Dynamite. His debut, uh, thinking of. Yeah, yeah, he kind of looked a bit like. I don't know. He just looked a bit odd. He looked almost like a like a young boy in someone's trunks too big for him or something like that kind of. Whereas here, he just he looked he, like he a looked, jobber. He looked. He looked like more. Yeah, he did. That's that's ex- that's the best description of it. He looked like, you know, but WWF superstars, the Ultimate Warrior versus John Smith kind of thing, who stood there in the corner waving, you know, with his gut hanging over the top of his trunks or whatever. But like here, he looked like. A wrestler, I thought, and and I saw more for from him in his in ring work. And I mean, I've gone three stars on this. I I enjoyed this, and like for me, it was I felt like it was with with Rampage. It started with that good match with with Moxley and Bowens. Mm. There was the good section. There was the uh, I'm you know I'm getting the value out of Andrade, thinking that oh, um, Sting is Darby Allen's boss is like fucking I'm, hilarious. I'm I'm, I'm 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 loving that. And then into this match, I was thinking, what a cracking half hour of TV. TV. This has been yeah. like two two solid, you know, nothing overly spectacular matches there. Good backstage skit like pro like promo as well. And I, I was, you know, pleased that I'd, uh, pleased that I'd watched it, but. Um, yeah, the whole is. Uh, I know you work for Sting, and where is your boss and all that? Like, oh, buzzing off this this Andrade, this not having you know, not needing that mouthpiece, just having him say these you know, talk uh, as he is currently with this um, in this particular feud. It's just uh, it just really, really just fits perfect. I didn't expect like a kind of a comedy route per se. I think, you know, if it leads to him and Sting and then eventually like him and Darby Allen, I think that's a, it's kind of at least an interesting direction. It's getting him over. It's working. Like yep. it feels like it, it is genuinely funny when even Darby Allen, the character, was laughing about it as well. Like, here's the contract. And then he says all of this stuff. He pulls out a baseball bat and he's just like, all right, look, tell your boss. <laughs> He's like not having any part of this. He's not having it. It's like, that's genuinely good comic timing that's going yeah. on there. And so I did I did thoroughly enjoy that. I mean, I, I thought, you know, Jade Cargill versus Julia Hart. I mean, effectively, it, it was, you know, a, a, a kind of, it was a very dominant performance from Jade Cargill, as these things should be. 
as a match, not great, but I kind of think, no, this is what it should be for, for her. She These matches she should have, she should be going through Julia Hart, who is already, who, and you mentioned this about storylines and stuff, and we think about the Rumble match and what storylines came out of that. It's like virtually nothing. Here, we're talking about a one-hour episode of TV, and we've got what is effectively, you know, it's always you always know who's going to win this match, but there's a story for the other person. They're going through their own changes at the moment as well, and hopefully joining up with the House of Black, you know, her with the um, with the eye patch and everything else. So, like, I was again completely fine with that. I think that that works for what it should do. Um, yeah, I think I only went like kind of two and a half or two stars on it, but that's what I, I it should be. I, I don't even think I rated it. It was just you know, to me, it was essentially a squash. But it was like you say what you should be doing. I don't want Jade Cargill going out there and having 10-minute matches with people, right? I want her to look like this dominant, fearsome person who just squashes lower-level talent in, you know, a few minutes as she just builds up her experience and builds up her, yeah. builds up her um, sort of relationship with the crowd and everything like that, that that goes along with it. So that when she does, you know, they're doing the whole thing out there before, you know, putting it up on the big screen almost like streak like every time she wins a match you know her win records going up there and stuff so the fact that she's beating all these people it's starting to build and feel like it means something as well as a, as a, as a streak too so when somebody does beat her it's going to add a bit more meaning to the person who beats mm-hmm. her as well it's it's spot on because you know Yes, we, we can all sit there and poke holes in Jay Cargill's wrestling ability and things like that. But she's a she's a star. She looks like a star. She gets good reactions. You know, she's 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 someone who that they, they can use to build up other people as well. And you know, she has she's got that presence. You turn on the TV screen, she jumps off it. You know, it's um, she's a you know valuable part of the, uh, the 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 show for me at the moment. Yeah. Um... What did you make of the main event? Jurassic Express versus Private Party. It like fine. it was a it was a perfectly fine, acceptable professional professional wrestling match, as Benno would oh. say. You know, it was it was a middle of you know, the thanks. <laughs> it was a middle of the road. You know, it was a middle of the road. Yeah match it was what it needed to be it was a you know it was a title defense it set some that that you knew it was winning it's you know it, the structure of the match was good in that you know the commentators were talking about it from a strategic point of view you know you had that early you know where they hit the finisher immediately and they you know they nearly got the they nearly got the the win with a very close count they then were like cutting off the ring and things you know so in, mm. you know from that point of view it was an it was an, an enjoyable uh, the way that worked out it was used again as a mechanism to set up something else, obviously, with the gun club being at ringside and set up another match or title match for them. Am I enthusiastic about watching Jurassic Express against the gun club for uh, for the tag belts when you think of all the other tag teams who were floating around in AEW? It wouldn't be uh, if it was my um, if it was my uh, uh, game. Mm. I wouldn't be um, I wouldn't be booking this one uh, particularly high up my uh, up my list. It's certainly one not one that I'm uh, where I talk about like put be happy to put my money on the table for Punk against MJF. I ain't put my money on the table for Gun Club versus Jurassic Express. But no. hey, it's a filler title defense uh, again. Another one that again just gives them that element of longevity with the belts and another win, another you know another notch that when the next people. 
do beat them, it's going to have like slightly more feeling as well or meaning. Yeah, yeah, you you you're right on. I mean, I would say with the gun club stuff, they've built up their records and then being angry, their record kind of gets ignored and stuff. So I kind of get the reason for it, even though you know they're not going to win, and nor should they as well. I mean, for me, it's you know, I think today, I think it might have been was it Jay Briscoe came out and did a kind of like come hit up your come hit up them boys so whether or not at some stage they'll bring in the briscoes in there as well to perhaps kind of liven up the direction with it i mean i think i i would say like yeah this was a you know perfectly fine for like the main event of rampage it appears to me maybe it's just me because they did a storyline obviously with andrade buying half of the hardly hardy family office are we leading to the point of matt hardy being kind of transitioned out Hopefully. And and because this then ties in with something that has been happening over the last few weeks, which is, you know, very much like kind of like the uh, the moral way of firing people. We're just letting their contract expire um, effectively. Um, and, and that is something that we're seeing a lot more of. You wonder with a Matt Hardy, how long was that deal? I don't know how long he's been there. It seems like it's, it's probably about two years at this point. God, it feels like it... it He's been there since the start. I wonder whether or not that would that's an that's a way of them kind of transitioning him away from um out of the company. Seems a bit brutal, but we've seen it with with others on there. And that makes me kind of think of people like the acclaimed. You want to make sure they're down on a deal, because I imagine WWE would be would be interested in having a look at them because they tick mm-hmm. a lot of boxes for what mm-hmm. they want as well. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I mean, on the Matt Hardy front, you know, like, you know, that's my, you know, you're watching this and you're just thinking like, yeah, well, hopefully this leads to Andrade screwing him over and taking control and things like that. Do I feel like it's the end of Matt Hardy? I don't. I feel like he's sort of in there really. And he's kind of, he seems like he's valued and, and things, you know, sorry to disappoint you, but, uh, but it just, it, it does feel he's there and, it, and you almost yeah. feel like, Unless I've missed something, Jeff hasn't re-signed with WWE, has he? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I well, always... Yeah, he was fired, wasn't he? Because of the yeah. yeah, the DUI. Yeah, yeah, and so I, I still, I, I still think that there's you know there's that as well that's mm-hmm. that's there and underneath it. As much as I absolutely don't want that to happen, there has been references to my brother a few times recently by Matt Hardy when he's been on TV as well. So they're mm-hmm. almost like half so in that seed or putting that out there in the mindset as well. I'd be amazed if we don't have a Bucks Hardy's match um, in AEW at, at, at some point. You know, I just, I feel like that's something they'll, they'll go back to. And um, so I think Matt's a, uh, that's here to hang around a bit yet. Maybe he gets fucked over by Andrade and he needs a bit of help to um to to beat up the lads who've turned on him. Who do you turn to? Turn to your brother. Oh, fucking hell. I don't know if I could be too excited about it. I mean, do you know what? They'll probably do good numbers. Because that, that will always be the thing. I mean, and again, if it's relatively short-term deals, I can kind of see a value in that, even if I really don't want to see it. I can see yeah. why they would do that. Um, have you got any other any other thoughts on AEW? I mean, I think the only thing from an AEW point of view was the thing that you just referenced previously, and it was almost like this, you know, again, I, I, we haven't almost done a spotlight for a, a few weeks. I feel like it's, mm. you know, so it's even going back a few weeks that I've, 
talking about this, but it is just that lack of presence of Hangman. It just feels odd. It's like it that is, you know, yeah. you're like looking here like he's beat Kenny for the belt in November. And since then, he's been on two dynamites, like one in December, one in January, where he's had matches. And they're, you know, the, the two Danielson matches. And then he's had one other match, like a six-man tag on Dark, like against the hardest in Serpentico with with the Dark Order. And you're like, I, 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 I don't get it. It feels like anonymous. It feels like an afterthought. He's, he's, he's totally disappeared. And I hate this. I feel like they've done this a couple of times, AW. Like, the, the world champions just not a strong presence on the show. And, and especially mm. when you've got someone like hangman who should be like where you are trying to establish him and make him feel like a you know strong credible champion and things like that obviously that like they've got the archer stuff coming and it's been like there's been little dribs and drabs here but i want to see him getting wins on tv i want to see him beating mm. people and getting a bit of momentum and just feeling a bit more like a you know this guy's you know this guy's dominant this is somebody who can just go, go out there and get wins because Everybody else who they do that with always always ends up looking like they're more than they were before that. Every time they put somebody on a winning streak, the crowd get behind them and things. And I, like I, I don't know if there's a fear there or something with a babyface champion and making them look too dominant and stuff, and not wanting them to want people to get you know to beat them or something like that. But he needs more than he needs more than than this and you know i don't, I don't yeah. necessarily think the archer feud is a bad i mean you call him like obviously the cane like that i think that's fine for like a defense at, at this stage it's somebody who's a credible threat who he can beat and things but even when they had that short promo that he was involved in in one of the shows this week and they mentioned it been like a texas death match and like he looked like for a second like he was shitting his pants and things <laughs> i was thinking like i know okay we've yeah. got the whole like, anxious cowboy thing but i don't want him to be like you know, shit, in his, shit in his pants over a match stipulation, you know, like yeah, he's not mighty fucking whip, Rick, is he? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You've got the world title on your shoulder. You're a big lad. You beat some good people. Like you know, it's uh, it shouldn't be a should, shouldn't be um, too big. I know he's trying to like put the stip over kind of thing, but yeah, maybe um, you know, maybe maybe a bit too too strong. But I just I just like to see more of him. Mm. Yeah, no, I'm with you on that. I think it's it's it doesn't have to be an overbearing presence, but there needs to be a presence because if you're going through a show and you don't you're not really aware if there's a world champion, like that's I would never think that's great. Like you kind of and especially if it's a new character as well in within the kind of casual wrestling fan, this is is someone being positioned as kind of a new top line star. You need to do you need to do better. You need to have them on. Like, it's damn the quarter hours. There's other stuff that can be moved. And it's the thing about... It's the thing with AEW, you realise that they've got that limited real estate. There are ways they can still use this better and they need to do it. And we've spoken about it before with kind of similar finishes and stuff. And I don't think at least this these shows didn't suffer kind of from that in any sort of well, noticeable way to me. But I think it's it's something that they do need to keep an eye on. Yeah, 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 definitely. Because there's people there that he can be, that he can be beaten. Who you also can elevate a bit as well when he's beating them. You know, like like I don't know. He could be there having a random, you know, title defense against Penta next week on 
mm. rampage or something like that. And it'd be a match where you all know who's going to win. Go out there, have a good match. Hangman looks strong at the end of it. Pent has matched him in certain areas. You expect him to be, and you know, he's elevated a touch or something like that. And, you know, that's just the first name that springs to mind. I feel like there's other people of that level who can take a loss who would like almost it benefits yeah. both both parties really. I'd just like to see a little bit more of that. No, I'm with you on that one. No, definitely with you on that one. Right. Oh, we're done with AEW. We can get into the, the final stretch, Gareth. We won't be dragging this one out for two. This is what happens, you see. We're looking at ourselves thinking, let's try and let's try let's try and get this wrapped up at somewhat of a semi-reasonable time for once on here for us as older men. Um I've got that young Benno who doesn't need to sleep at night times around the place. Got some Noah and Snarden. And I know you've only seen one Noah match. Um it was the GHC national championship match, is that right? It was, um, yeah. I've got a little uh, little backlog here. That's my uh, intention for the uh, rest of this week. Is the wrestling I'm going to be watching is catching up on Noah, really, because there was obviously that bumper crop show that was that had the Nakajima Kitamiya main event mm-hmm. that I've not managed to to see yet. There's then that first higher ground show, which was the one where I did watch the main event that that the um, the title match between um, Masakatsu Falaraki and um, Keno um, on, uh, on 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 that one, lad straight off his deck chair there, and then there was obviously like the other the other high ground uh, show there as well, which you know had a match with um, Takashi Sagira and, and Go Shizaki, which again, you know, those are the two lads that made me fall in fall in mm. love with this modern Noah. Um, last year or two years ago, it's the um, you know it's the it's it's a match that you know see those two names put together and then see like the feedback on it that that sounds great as well. So you know there's been quite a few Noah shows there in the second half of Jan, um, lots to catch up on. But yep, the one that I have managed to sneak in because it was a four minute match was that Funaki Keno match, and um, yeah, the uh, the old guys are at it again, JP. I don't know what to, so Fanaki is, and this is the thing with Noah. There's like there's a couple of there are fifty year old guys that you like, and I tend to think you put like Sugira, Sakuraba, Masakatsu Fanaki in there as well. Mochizuki when he's when he's been in there, you're like, oh yeah, these are like Agawa because he doesn't take up too much of a place. You're like, oh, these are good. Then you get your fifty year olds. You just pissed off with you got Keiji Muto who's who's just sort of like breaking, you know. 12-year-old JP would have, you know, thought that he was robbed at Starcade uh, 89 in that Iron Man tournament to this day. In like a big miscarriage of justice, the size of the Birmingham Six. He didn't get any points in there, having been undefeated before that. But you see him here pissing me off, like turning up, not not losing to anyone at all. Then um, uh, then you've got like... Fajita. Uh, Fajita. <laughs> who is the next title defense? Who I saw a great clip of like him slapping Nakajima about and trying to kind of like shoot on him. He's he's a prick of a man. It makes for an interesting dynamic of a match because he won't be put in, he doesn't like to put people over, does he? In any meaningful way. So I expect that to be a kind of shit kicking affair. But it comes what happens if you've gone out and fought um like Fedor Emelianenko in his bloody prime, I suppose you're going to feel he can take on most people, can't you? Um, 
but yeah, it, it's it's so you've got these kind of two like you've got the fifty year olds you just really like Kendo Cashin as well. You don't want them there. They don't really serve any purpose. I think Fanaki fits into the good category, but it, as with all things, you're like it's it's you know a four minute match which. You know, it was starting off in the way that I would have expected a Keno match to start off with the, the kind of, you know, slaps and kicks. And it just feels like he ends up putting a sub a sleeper on him at some point. And then before you know it, he's tapped. And you're like, oh, fucking hell. Right, that's... And I knew it was four and a half minutes. I was like, geez, it still sort of took me by surprise. Um, and then afterwards, he joins Congo. <laughs> so and you're so. like, what? Like, this doesn't make any sense. Like, doesn't make any sense at all for why he does it. He's got new kit now. Um, Miz looked like he was about to join Congo at the Royal Rumble, though, didn't he? As well, I mean, he... <laughs> I'd laugh bizarre. if he did an extended did... tour of Noah the Miz. I would laugh. <laughs> Him versus Noah. Nakajima, plug that into my fucking veins. <laughs> Just don't tell Miz anything about Nakajima going, hey, soft as fuck, this lad. Don't worry. You could even take liberties on him, Mike, if you really fancy it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I didn't it was a weird one, this, because like I didn't I didn't hate it because I like Fanaki. Like he mm-hmm. can still he can still go and things. It, uh, it it sort of fit into a lot of what I like about Noah in that you can have somebody who they get that submission on and that's it, game over, done kind of thing. You know, it's just, it's almost quite real from that point of view that something like that can mm-hmm. can happen. It, there is, I don't know, like, do you get a bit stupid and you start to like overthink things and I think like, well, come on, like Nakajima yeah, went an hour with him and couldn't, <laughs> couldn't beat him. But he can beat him in four, in four minutes, you know. And you, you, once you start getting into the realms of that side of things, like that's when it start. That's when you start to just get a bit like, oh, like I don't, I don't know. But I don't, I don't necessarily hate the result or the 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 match here. I think the the post match stuff just felt incredibly odd. With like, like Funaki couldn't look less. Congo, if he tried, like do you know, if you almost what you think about the the look and feel and things like like that, it it just was a very odd dynamic. Him stood there in the middle of them, them all. But, but in many ways, it worked because of the way that Nakajima was sort of when they did the in ring stuff, and he was just sort of stood the back like looking at him kind of thing and a bit like you what kind of like Nakajima almost kind of had that that look about him and that kind of what what's going on here and that element of mistrust and then when they were in the back doing the interview in the back and Nakajima's just sort of giving him side eyes and things as they're as, as they're talking like as odd as it a decision as it feels in its oddness I like the way that that was transferred onto Nakajima in some way as well. So it did leave mm-hmm. me feeling more intrigued than disliking it, if that kind of makes sense. Like, mm-hmm. So even though in all natural logic, this shouldn't work, and I don't think this is just me having current positive Noah goggles on, it's it did work for me in a in 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 a funny way in its bizarreness of it of it all it was um 
I'm I'm very intrigued to see where it goes next. I I'm kind of with you on that. It's it's part of the appeal of Noah is they have their finish like they'll have like shock finishes to matches that you're really not expecting and they happen. It happens quite a lot in matches. It's not the usual big move. You're not, you know, you're not trained up in a way to think, oh, this is the big finish. This is going to be the thing it does it. Because quite often the big finisher can end up being the transition move that it's the thing, but you just need something else just to take it over the edge. So I kind of like how they do that because it does, because it is quite often without contrivances. There's not like some like contrived way of how they get into the spot. It's just like, oh shit, like you say, puts a sleeper on and then that's it. It does make it intriguing. It just made me think that Keno versus Nakajima is a storyline, Nakajima not in Congo, that that seems to me that like that's a direction you would go in. But then you have to remember it's more than Noah and Christ knows. <laughs> Honestly, Christ only knows. You don't know, like, because you see these moving parts in the main event scene. It probably leads itself onto the the kind of Nakajima, Masakitamiya stuff, which... You know, it, it, for me, I didn't think Kitamiya was going to win. I mean, I, I, I like the match a lot. And I think, it, you know, it's a match for you that you'll you'll really enjoy. I put it down as 4.25. I think it was trending slightly above that on the app. I want to say it was up about 4.4. And, you know, that in and of itself is, is something that, you know, that's a good way to start a year with your title defence, isn't that? But it's very, very hard to predict and it's not always in the best way because they have these interesting parts like Kitamiya, Kiyomiya, Keno, Nakajima, Shiyazaki, Shigura. You've got these interesting people that you can put into the mix in there. Um, Inamura, you hope for at some point. Mm -hmm. But then what they'll do is they'll chuck in a 50-year-old lad who'll kind of go, yeah, I'm not playing ball with any of that and kind of ruin it. And then they'll end up going over someone and you're like, well, what do we do now? And so it's like, it's, it's, it's our kind of biggest frustration. If, if Noah can actually kind of get in a steady stream of kind of good main events with people who should be up there and can work this kind of style properly, not like Muto can't move about. And there was the horror stories of what he was like on the, the 8th of Jan, which comes as no surprise and other stuff like that. They're the people you want rid of. There, there's that nucleus for it. And you mentioned earlier on, we were talking even at the start, talking about Grapple 100, like, you know, New Japan have this match quality, but we're all completely down on the product for what it is. And, you know, they're, they're the kind of good matches, but you're not enjoying all of the other stuff around it. Um, there's that potential with Noah and the production values and the kind of boost they've over, that they've got there as well with the tremendous work the English commentators do to kind of do better. But then they'll throw this stuff into the mix and you're never sure if it draws in Japan. I'm not convinced because if Keiji Muto was that biggest star, then Wrestle One would be a big company and it isn't. It's dead. So I'm not kind of convinced by that. I mean, yeah, putting him in the spotlight with kind of where more casual Japanese fans are going to see him, I suppose there's some sort of value in that as well. But yeah, there's those interesting parts. But I, I kind of think this was just a way of transitioning away, Keno away from the national belt, hopefully into something with Nakajima, which... You know, yeah, like I said, I mentioned to you about the the, the Kitamiya match. Um, I thought it was a, I, th I went 4.25 on it. I thought it was like kind of really 
it, it was very much Noah main event style, you know, some brutal vicious slaps. There was, you know, like the, the Germans into a Nakajima kitchen, so the, the, these points when they just have a kind of rapid fire exchange, they've got great chemistry, obviously being in the aggression, one of your tag, one of your, in your match of the year list, you know, Masakitamiya is someone who, I know you and I both like, there's that real potential about that. I even thought the match with Muto was all right for what it was and, and, and how they did it. It's, it's just probably the straight after that. You wonder, is he going to end up going to being somewhat of an afterthought? Because Vegeta came out and just stared at the belt. That's all he did. Like, and he kind of looks like sloth out of the Goonies as well. Which probably just isn't necessarily a good look as well. And he had his like pair of jeans on and like his kind of like belly out. He looked like one of my dad's mates when he was out building, frankly. George the Animal Steel. Yeah. It was just like, you know, it might be my dad's mate, Tip John, coming around. <laughs> He have a point, Jerry. No, and he and he would have a point. There you go. <laughs> Sorry on that one. Um, good lad, Tip John. Yeah, I was a good man, Tip John. Animal of a fucking drinker. Used to have cigars as well. Don't want that's going to do with it on there. But yeah, I like you. I need to watch the Shiazaki to um, Takeshi Segura match. It's on my kind of watch list. It appears that they've got shows most weeks now. I think the next one they're doing is. I mean, I think it's this this weekend. I know that they're doing a Goshiyazaki kind of series where he's taking on, like, I think he's going to take on, um, I don't know if he's taking on Kitamiya and he's taking on Marafuji. And I think it might be Muto. I don't know if it's Muto as well, but like he's taking on like a few people there to kind of build himself back up, which is kind of what you should do. I don't want to see Shiyazaki getting in there until the second half of 2022. I think we need to ease him back into that kind of hardcore main event scene because you don't want him to physically break down because he was on the verge of collapse last time. And I think if there's any way of kind of, rel- you know, not having too much. So yeah, you put him in a match with uh, Takeshi Segura, don't you? Which is always like an easy, easy, restful night. A nice soft one. But he hasn't, yeah. won a sing- he hasn't won a singles match, has he, since he come back? No. So, you know, it's so, again, just telling that story then of it, like easing back through. It's good. Yeah. Gives gives it something to build towards. I think there was a, there was a show. There was another high ground show on the thirtieth of Jan that mm-hmm. I don't think it's up yet on Wrestle Universe as well. And I think on that one they had Inamura against Manabu Sawyer as well, which was Ooh. just like just felt like two big lads were going to go out there and knock the shit out of each other. So that's one that I've got on my um, to watch list as well because I can't like I can't imagine that's going to be a, a bad match or. You know, it's a it's at least going to be up my street anyway. Yeah, with it with those two. So so looking forward to that one. Inamura was in my uh, people to watch for twenty twenty two, and if those Kentner exchanges were anything to go by, and the fire that lad wrestles with, that should be good fun. If yeah. if Manabu Sawyer can kind of keep up his his end of the deal as well, yeah, should be good for that. Right, I think the last thing we're going to do, and I'm not going to spend too long necessarily on it because I'll be doing a podcast about stardom quite when. Uh, that that's going to be coming out. We should be certainly within the next just a week. I'll say around that. So I said seven, eight days, give myself a bit of breathing space, but yeah, start on another pay-per-view 
the Nagoya, Nagoya Supreme fight. Exclamation. Oh, sorry, mark. sorry, I'm channeling Benno now. Should I go to bed? No, you're not. <laughs> not allowed to, mate. No, I won't spend too long on it, honest, because I promise you, I'll, I'll spend a lot of it for that. But there's certainly. I, I'm just stunned that you've waited until the end. That the one yeah. week when Benno's away, you could have, you could have been in there. You could have nipped in nice and early, but it's probably because I've not seen all of the show in the kind of religious detail that I'll need to before before I record. But I did want to catch the kind of main matches on there as much as anything. But no, I was, I was doing, you know, I was being good, you know. It was like, it wouldn't have been fair if we'd started off as stars and that would have been me being selfish. And that's the last thing I am. Um, man of the people. Man of the people, as always. Um, the the main takeaway from this is you, if you're watching a match, it'd be the Mayu Watani versus Julia match. It was meant to be a three-way with Tam Nakano for a number one contendership. Instead, um, it went to a 30-minute time limit draw. Um, I went 4.25 on this. I thought there are parts of it where it was slightly contrived with the referee, but it basically fell into a kind of quite hardcore, like real, I don't say like slapping battle. It's probably not the right word or anything else, but it was... It was like a kind of very wild fight with a lot of that kind of fighting spirit, endurance stuff that was like a big part of it as well. Um, crowd, for a clap crowd, were really into this. Um, there was, you know, at the end, it was it had the point where Maya Watani was going to hit her moonsault, but she was so exhausted that she was struggling to stand up on the top rope and doing a good job and nearly falling in the ring. I thought that was really good, good there as well. It went to a draw. I know this was, I had a couple of draws in my, um, I must be getting keen on them. I'm turning into Jonathan Wilson or something like that, the wrestling world. Um, but it, it was one of these things. I, I just thought as draws go, this was very, very good because it made you want to see the rematch. The reason why I had Taya Shishita versus Shuri as the, um, as like my match of the year, because it made me want to see that. And it built really well. Maya Watani is always going to be a star in stardom. Pardon the pun. And she's in the group stars as well. Um, and Julia feels like a big star. And they had several things going on with her on the show with Julia, who is much more of the kind of prominent focus, even so than Shuri, who had her um, her first title defence. And um, that was against Hirai in what I thought was like a, a kind of... a. a sorry, Mirai, say Hirai, um, which I thought was in and of itself like a kind of a, a, a very good match. I went 3.75 on this, but it really kind of wasn't in doubt. And Mirai was one who I think, you know, she's just joined uh, uh, Donna Del Mundo as well. Um, so it was, yeah, it, it's this kind of weird thing now where you've got Shuri possibly not being in Donna Del Mundo, which is the stable that she's in. Julia, you know, having this time limit draw with her and Maya Uatani, and, you know, they're going to be up around the number one contender scene. You also had, like, a group coming from Ice Ribbon. There's, like, five of them who are, like, kind of want to do just death matches, and they came out and attacked Julia as well. It was kind of wild. I don't know who these they are, and I've only seen it with Japanese commentary. So if you are going to read a report on it where you are going to know what happens, I go to the... It's Karen Peterson's on post wrestling, which is outstanding for kind of filling in the gaps, particularly on a storyline perspective and letting you know who, who these people are. Um, but yeah, I, 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 if you're going to watch it, like, those two matches to watch. And I also watched Thecla 
who is someone to keep an eye on, who's Austrian, who came in from Ice Ribbon as well, and won the SWA title, which when listening to WH on, on Post Pure S, he described it a while back, is it's basically the title that foreigners hold. So Tony Storm used to have it a lot. So it tends to be anyone who's got like, who's either international or is in some way got some um, like kind of non non-Japanese heritage in there. So I know Shuri had Filipino heritage. So for her, um, she she held that about belt before she won the um before she beat Hai Shishita. And Thekla is kind of unique. I mean she does the very gifable spider, then spin it round into a spear, which sort of pisses on anything Bray Wyatt did from a great height. But it's intriguing because this is a Western wrestler in Japan, which at the minute there's not many of them. Um, it adds an interesting storyline dy- dynamic, which is the big thing, really, that's going to be kind of Shuri and Julia, it feels, for the next year. Um, I think for those hardcore fans of stardom, you're getting exactly what you want from these shows. And, you know, you look at the ratings on Grapple for them. Generally, you know, the undercard stuff might be getting two, two and a half, three, but everything seems to generally be above the three-star range. You're watching it and there's nothing that's bad. Mm-hmm. It's all pretty solid. I think the um, uh, the tag match did like kind of around three and a half as well. There's a, um, there's a Saya Kamatani versus um, Unagi match that I also want to watch on here as well that, that looked good. I always say the same things about the aesthetic. It's not really for me. But it's storytelling. There's booking going on here. Everyone is involved. They use the faction stuff in a way which feels like, can New Japan take a leaf from this? Where they're not rigidly, these are the people who are in these stables. This is how we interact with them. Here, the thing I love about stardom, or one of the things I really enjoy about stardom as much as anything, is the fact that even though people are in different factions, they would have had a story together. So it doesn't mean they automatically hate them because they join another one. There's only that one sort of Wado tire, like the kind of over heelish group as much as anything. But there's like more interesting nuanced dynamics between them. So, yeah, another good show. It's not at the kind of like the the high end stuff, but then this is the first one of the year. You're not expecting it to be. It wasn't a main event that was set up in a way to be for it to be a really big show. So, yeah, if you get a chance, uh, have a watch of that, as I'm sure Ben O will the next time we record. I still do intend to watch those two matches mm. that made like the top 10 um, of yeah. you know, the, the Grapple 100s because at the end of the day, the ratings are so high on both of those that you're just like um, yeah, thinking, I've, I've got to at least watch them and, and, and give them a ch- give them a chance. And I think especially the way that you you described them on that top 10 show, it definitely sounded like something that I get um, enjoyment about out i mean even there that mayu Iwatani against julia match from from this one you know it's average now at like 4.32 it's the best match on this particular card again so it's another mm-hmm. strong you know another very very strong strong rating um that's right in there as well and um but yeah across across the board you know lots of you know middle you know mid threes really on average um, ac- across there with the uh, suri uh, mirai probably the second best best on the card based on grapple ratings at 3.82 so um yep certainly seems like one worth uh, checking out if that's your thing yeah definitely i think that might well be it we've not gone to one o'clock which is 
which is all right. I'll certainly take that for this week. I think if I'm looking at the time, we're around two and a half hours. That seems like a decent shift for us, no? Should we, we quit while we're ahead, mate, I reckon? I, reckon I that's think so. That sounds, that sounds, like a, sounds good to me. A reasonable amount of sleep on a, gra- on a spotlight recording night. I'll take it. Doesn't happen. <laughs> very, very rarely happens. So what have you got to plug, young man? Well, I mean, other than the usual, download the Grapple app, Google Play, App Store, you know, uh, to do that. But yeah, go and get yourself on the um, Grapple 100, um, like I say, if you go to grappleapp.com, you can visit the uh, Grapple 100 across the top. Like I say, going to be doing a bit more analysis on there as well. And if you may be looking through the list and you, um, you know, there's maybe some things jump out, any questions that you have or anything like that. Just uh, fire them my way on on Twitter or something like that. If I'm going to be work, you know, if I'm going to be doing a few articles and things, looking at the numbers, breaking things down, always good to answer a few questions along the way if you've got them. So yeah, just give me a give me a shout on Twitter and I'll have a look at them. Yeah, that's. Good. I mean, I've got to plug the plug the Patreon, um, which is you know patreon.com forward slash grapple, which is one year old. Benno informed one us year today. Old. It's, it's, yeah. it's our birthday today. It's our birthday. And where is he on our first birthday? Fucked off. Out on the town, isn't Spending he? Like the money. De- like a deadbeat dad, frankly. <laughs> Hasn't paid his child support. Just throw that out there as well. Um, yeah, if you go on to there, daily updates. Tomorrow's daily update, I, I imagine. I'm, I'm planning on doing one in the evening, early evening, sort of about half seven-ish. Once I've had a chance to have a little look at, di- at Dynamite as much as anything, rather than kill myself in the morning to get out a recording. Because I'll be trying to edit this around as, as soon as soon as I get up as well, to, to get up the full version. The raw version of this will be going up tonight for patrons. We're going to be likely doing... Uh, uh, patron recording this weekend. We have to probably discuss. I don't think we can go completely uh, cowboyish and decide to go off the reservation picking whatever we want to do. Although that Taz mixtape does sound fucking lovely at some point. To do a bit of that, as long as we can put that Gypsy Joe match in uh, of yep. that, I am in non-negotiable. Um, yeah. Other than that, catch us, catch us on there. And uh, otherwise, that's it for another episode of Spotlight. Bye. Say ya. Sammy Guevara. This is my moment to shine. This is my time for flight. I've been grinding forever just for this very night. I've been pushing for many moments like this. This time is undervalued and no one ever could miss. This is my chance, moment of bliss. My feelings so enchanted. Many could understand it. These skills out of the planet. Be careful of my philanthropy. The future is mine. Taking it all by design. Knowing so much on the line. Guevara. Sammy Guevara. It's my time just to take flight. Put it on the line. All in the same night. Hustle my way to the top to get this moment, this future. No doubt we own it. The future is mine on the line. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, We're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.